I feel bad for that chicken. I want to pay for its therapy. <laughs> it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to a chicken. And I don't even know what the future holds for that chicken. Exactly. You know? You don't know. everybody. Welcome. Welcome to Busy Phillips is doing her best. We're doing her best, continuing the work into 2021 of trying. We should just point out that we're recording this on Sunday because Busy is doing her best, but she has a wild work week coming up. I have a lot of work. I have a lot of work and I didn't want to be exhausted and I didn't want to be loopy. And I didn't want to be frazzled, and I want to. Yeah. I want to be a good actor and learn my lines. And this, be is sure that busy, I'm prepared. this is the busy. This is the busy of today taking That's care right. of the busy tomorrow. Exactly. Oh anyway, the reason I brought up that it's Sunday is because if we say anything about someone, and then like a, something develops by it feels the time, like, this- it feels like so much is de- is developing every second this yes. this weekend. I feel yes. like there's. So much happening. I also was like, maybe we just release the podcast early, but we haven't talked to the people that are editing it, so we don't know what their <laughs> what their feelings well, are on it. That'll be me, and like someone will actually edit it. But that, like, yeah, we'll probably. I know just you do, do the you do the the heavy lifting of the of the creative decisions, but there's an actual <laughs> editor guy who like cuts it. Is like up. skilled at editing and also well, our I producer. feel like you could, honestly, if you had the time, I feel like you could do it, Casey. I feel like you could just do it. I do. I, could, I feel like I you could, could fi- figure learn. out some software and just, you can do anything. <laughs> I believe in you so deeply that I feel like That's very you could kind. do anything. That's yeah. very kind. Maybe someday I will learn how to do it. But for now, we depend heavily on Josh and Laura <laughs> to, to help us put the podcast yeah. together. So thank I you mean, to them. We depend heavily on Laura to make sure that I'm recording. So I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Wait, are you recording, Shantira? I am. I am. Right, but fans. just know that I'm only recording when either Casey, Laura, or Busy ask. I never <laughs> initiate recording myself. I love imagining that if nobody asked you, you would passive aggressively not record just to be like, well, you never asked. Well, here's the thing. I haven't done it passive aggressively, but I have done it twice where I didn't do that. Okay, guys, we have to like, I know it's Sunday. I I just, Casey and I haven't even talked about this, but I do feel like we have to talk about John Roderick. I, I feel like it's like, it's like he's really getting fucking... Dragged in such an intense way, Are but pe- also do people guys, know d- what's going on? Because I had no idea what's going on. I had, I also just like turned off Twitter because I didn't care. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but we have to like at least if we're going to talk about that, we have to explain what it is because a bunch of people who are not on Twitter. We have to. Okay, so we're talking about Bean Can Dad. No, um, that's, I think the hashtag is just Bean Dad now, but it's under <laughs> politics. It's now being trending under politics, which is which is bullshit wild. because his, that's his, the most investment we've had in decent politics in a long time. So maybe at least because, they can do it. <laughs> maybe because his father worked for JFK. I don't oh. know. I'm struggling to find a reason. Um, guys, full disclosure, and we can what well, we'll get into it. But Casey and I both know John Roderick. 
Yes. Shantara, you've met him. Okay, because if you wouldn't have told me that, I wouldn't have known. Here's the thing. Right. Full disclosure, anybody who um, ever meets me, um, if you are a white man, I do not retain <laughs> you unless I will be seeing you again confirmed. Mm-hmm. Like if I yeah. go spouses, to a, oh, partners. Yeah, like yeah. spouses, mm-hmm. partners. If we go, if I show up to work and you are in the office one time, I will not remember you. If you will be a recurring guest star, I will remember you. So <laughs> if I, you're not I, a main I, character, Shantira. Also, you have to be vetted. So if you're not a main character in a bitch in my life who has been vetted, you do, I don't remember. So if you were to tell me that, I would 100% been like, I ain't never met that man, seen that man, heard of that man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there you that, go. honestly, that you didn't have any interaction with him. He, John, is a singer, songwriter, has a podcast that he's does the successful? theme song. Yeah, I think in his 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 song is the theme for my brother, my brother and me podcast, which is a huge podcast. Oh, I thought that- you were going to say it was the theme from the. TV show on Nickelodeon, my brother and me. And then I was going to really respect No, is, wait, what, is that the name of their podcast? The Brothers? I don't know who we're talking about. Uh, oh, uh, who are the brothers? Well, uh, I, you guys, this is, see, this is where we get, this is where we get into the, a lack, I have a lack of information regarding podcasts and stuff that <laughs> men are interested in, i.e., like, white men are interested in <laughs> yeah my brother my brother and me are the McElroy brothers who I bet you've um I bet you've met busy at some point but oh I, wait like, I have I yeah. think or yeah. one of them has dm'd me but also my grandma Moot's second husband was McElroy <laughs> that was his last name from in Chicago and I remember Yes, I met those guys at the San Francisco Comedy Festival, the McElroy, some one of the McElroys. I don't know. I'm basically yeah. Shantira is what I'm saying. <laughs> but um, but the but the guys, but I remember the my association obviously was my grandpa Macamac, who is the spirit that always gets me good parking spaces. Oh. And <laughs> if you need a good parking space, I'm just gonna give this to you all for free. You can say Grandpa Macamac. Do your thing, please. <laughs> find me a parking space, and I'm telling you, he delivers. He I always had the best parking space for his giant Cadillacs. That's right. And uh, he died when I was little. I I never knew my mom's father, my my maternal grandfather by blood. So I only knew Grandpa Macamac, um, and I just loved him. I just loved him. He was just such a nice man. And he liked, although I think was a member of a golf course that didn't let Jews or black people in. So that's probably in retrospect. Now I'm also, also in retrospect, that was all of them. (laughs) Were there, were there any? Yeah. (laughs) If it was like right now, I'd be like, damn. But if it was like 1950, I'd be like, that checks out. <laughs> well, no, it was like early 80s, early Same. to mid 80s. He probably was, he probably passed away like in, in the late-ish, like 86, 87. Truly. Somewhere around that. It, if it was today, I honestly would be like, that checks out. It's a yeah. lot of, it's a, ain't nothing, everything's bad. Everything that you've ever had is connected to something bad probably at one point. <laughs> 
Well, which brings us to brings us to we know John Roderick because he's uh, through many friends of ours and he's performed with us in uh, at San Francisco Sketch Fest. And, and I was a fan of his uh, band, The Long Winter. The Long Winter. I really, yeah, I really like uh, a f- some of the Long Winter songs, which is not he just that band doesn't exist anymore. I don't think. Um, I think it's kind of mostly him, so it does oh, in that. Okay. It's him. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he wrote a Twitter thread, guys, a Twitter thread in which he details how he he wanted his nine year old to work to learn to open a can of beans with a with a can opener. Old school can opener. Yeah. Um, uh, Old school, not. Does anyone, but by the way, does anyone have electric can openers anymore? Or was that just like very much like the 80s, early 90s? You know what? My um, intern when I worked at Letterman, um, shout out to Mark Gustavus, who went on to become the president of uh, Just Keep Living uh, Productions with <laughs> JK Living with Matthew McConaughey, whimsy. Um, and uh, he once gifted me an electric can opener as a thank you. And he just was like, I know it's like so retro, but it really is like the most luxurious thing to not have to twist a can opener. Like that's some rich bitch shit to just use an electric can opener. And it was really great. But they're so ugly. And so like, does anyone have them? You know, I shopper don't. image is not. I don't have them. I feel like maybe 10 or 15 years ago, I might've been on board, but I genuinely don't open enough cans manually to have an electric one. I have a a pretty nice um, manual one. Also, a lot of cans have the pool tab now. The pop tops now. Yeah. So I don't know, but uh, we're still getting off track. Basically, long story short, you can go read the thread, but his daughter was like, I'm hungry, and he told her to make some beans, and she didn't know. Doing how, a puzzle because he was doing a puzzle, and she didn't know how to use a manual, um, how to open the can. And he was to, like, "Oh he, my god, I've failed as a parent. I'm gonna make you learn how to do it." But, and then, yeah, the thread is like intense. It's yeah. like very. He he wrote it like a like some sort of like novel. I don't which, know. Which he copped to later when, uh, because like the the whole issue is. He's been caused, dragged. He's been dragged and like it continues on. He's been like trending in three different hashtags, I feel like for 24 hours. Um, but he copped to like writing it in a literary style, like to get, you know, I guess to get attention. And, yeah. um, and it got As attention. As we all fucking yes. try to do online every single person. Exactly. I mean, um, yeah, so, but he's being dragged, somewhat supported by some people, but mostly, uh, yeah, it's almost- mainly a, a bunch of people talking about how his daughter's going to really need therapy to unwind, to like unwrap the fact that her father wouldn't help her open this can. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that like, I read it and I do not care. So I'll say <laughs> that 100%. Number two, um, this is a fantastic, the first time of the year to take it to the group chat. Like, this was a thing he should have talked to his friends about. <laughs> or it could have been a podcast story. Uh, or it could have been a podcast story. Do you know what I mean? But like, I, I, that I tru- would have been maybe serviced a little better. Yeah, but I... Because you I could saw, have gotten the tone of what... I saw the... There's this tweet that I truly... I don't know who, who did it. Please don't tweet at me about it. But there is this tweet where they were like... 
on Twitter, there's like always a, like a main character and your goal is to not be, whether it's good <laughs> or bad, is to not be the main character in the plot of Twitter. So that's my vibe. So like, yeah. it felt like, this is what I'll say, it felt like when he was writing that, his hope was to be the main protagonist on Twitter that day. And it just turned out that it wasn't the good kind. <laughs> the hero. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it was very sudden that like, I just, I looked at my timeline and I saw one friend who I know doesn't know him being like, why are men, this is like a, such a man thing to make a child go through six hours of like struggling with a can opener to open beans just to like prove a point. And you know, and I was like, and it was kind of like a lighthearted, but then I put my phone, down and like picked it back up like 15 minutes later and I saw like Roxanne Gay was commenting on Bean Can Dad and there there's like Bean Can Dad memes and I was just like wow 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 this is a lot and so of course you know I texted Busy and I was like oh you're asleep right now but something is bad is happening to John Roderick on Twitter <laughs> yeah if you went to sleep if you were uh, I went to sleep early last night and um, the tweets that I see like really getting some traction hit around like midnight I think or two in the morning PST so like when I woke up Bean Gate was full blown <laughs> it was full blown and like people okay I I mean Mark and I talked a great deal about it this morning. I don't know. Like I, I was like, it just seemed very extreme, but I couldn't also tell if I couldn't also tell like, cause it, if like they were having fun doing it, like right, sometimes kids we weren't like there. get into yeah. shit like that. Yeah. Well, and like she, she, he said she cried, right? Yeah. So yeah, it's but, not fun. As, well. as as a little girl, who, as a, I, I mean, like this is what I think. I think it's bad. I think just teach her how to use the right. Fucking, That's what I do said it. to Mark. Just, and- just teach her how to do it. Because here's the thing. Yeah, it's like a simple tool. Uh, like they don't know how to use it. That's just the point. Like you have to teach somebody how to use a fucking can opener. There's grown-ups who don't know how to use it. Six hours, I personally believe, is too long. If a little nine-year-old girl is crying, you have failed. And you should apologize to her. And then that's right. the way I feel. As someone I, who's been a little girl who yeah. sat at a table and needed help with math with a dad who's a fucking math genius. Just because you fully understand it, the, my tears, I don't want to do this anymore. Yeah. And like, it's not fun. So I fully understand. I think he made a mistake and I think that he can learn from it. But like, that's that's my personal opinion. <laughs> Hold up, everybody. Hi, it's me, Busy Phillips. And it's actually not Sunday anymore. It's Monday night, January 4th. And I just broke my dry January by opening up (laughs) a beverage because I got home from work and I have to go back to work in like a very short period of time. And I was like, I need to decompress. You made it four days. You made it four days. But Casey and I, after we, after we, uh, stopped the pod the other day we all turned on our computers and we're like oh no <laughs> so much like i said only trust angela bassett baby she's That's, the only one i swear to god <laughs> casey's in all this text to us and she was like uh-oh tweets of bad tweets have been unearthed and then being dad like left twitter and it's complicated like i you know because obviously like we said i i've known him in real life but like we don't know 
we don't know all we of it. You know what I mean? We don't know. And those tweets are we don't bad. Know. And those tweets, it's just not, it's all bad. And so Casey sent out this thing was like, maybe we should just like get back on because I think the rest of the conversation is really good. And I, we trust Casey. And, and then Shantira said, I'm good because I only trust Angela Bass. <laughs> But by the way, but I do want to say in like, I am never surprised by anyone's. Oh, yeah. Trashy. That's why I don't cap for anybody. Yeah. And nope, nope. I'm I have yet to be surprised by like somebody turning out to be fucking horrible. (laughs) Yeah. Like who who could it be? I mean, no one. I think I, I have. Yeah, I have no idea who could be good. The only person that would disappoint me, and I've said it before, it's I'm only capping for Angela Bassett, baby. She's the only one. She's the only person I trust. Yeah. So yeah. clearly, when we were talking on Sunday, the Bean Dad story was just about beans and dads and daughters. But then it developed into something else while we were recording the Literally podcast. Literally while we were doing the podcast. That happened and the Trump tape was released, which by the way, Shantira, did you listen to the Trump tape? Oh yeah, I listened did to it. Did you listen to a case? I can't listen to his voice. I'm gonna what? I'm gonna transcribe it on uh transcription software and read it. Oh yeah. Some people have I think the Washington Post yeah, I think you, that might be wrong. I think you can I, the Washington Post yeah. I think it, it already is has been transcribed. It is truly fucking wild. Listen to the whole thing. It's bonkers. It, okay, I will. I it's but the my tweets res- yeah, I mean, we all should listen to it. We truly, should all because- listen to it. Um, I mean, if you hate his voice, you can read it. Yeah. It's just hearing hearing him talk yeah. is terrible. But the way yes. that... Because when you read it, you are a person who is not stupid. So when you read it, it's like, okay, but listening to him sounds insane. Yeah. It just sounds yeah. like someone should... Stop. Yeah. (laughs) It's just, it's also wild that like this, how long has this been going on? And this is the same thing that he was impeached for before, right? Like the Ukrainian. Basically, basically. I mean, it's like a very similar, similar situation, but um, just to hear, just to hear it is, is super. We, we have been and continue to be a witness to all kinds of fucking history and, you know, a witness to some, People revealing themselves in wild ways online. So as we as we feared, recording <laughs> the podcast on Sunday, things uh, things happened. Just like Harry we- Styles and Olivia Wilde, guys. Yeah, I can't. I can't even keep up. So we decided to interrupt what we recorded before. I mean, that's doing your best. You know what I mean? To come back and say, listen, other shit happened that hadn't happened yet. And so Bean Dad is working his shit out off of Twitter, which is probably for the best because he's clearly got some stuff to, to think over. And doing that on Twitter is not the best idea. And so... Uh, but also, yes, the president and also Olivia and Harry, like so much has happened. So much has happened. And also I just, you know, yeah, if it, like, I, I don't know, it's all, we just want to let you guys know that we know, <laughs> we know, we know now, we know what happened. We and, didn't know. Uh, we, we didn't <laughs> so know. So we were before. sort of like, <laughs> but we all, know. except for Shantira, who's like. Here's my hot take. Trust hey, no I don't one. give a fuck. 
and B, and B, trust no one except for Angela Bassett. So I guess that's our next merch is trust no one except and Angela Bassett. I've never been You've wrong. Never You've never been, been wrong. You've never been wrong. You've never been wrong. You've never been wrong. So now I guess we'll just throw it back to ourselves on Sunday. Yeah, because we're going to continue uh, this conversation and... Um, and I think it's good. All right, guys. All right. Take, it, a- take it away, Sunday. Self. Listen, by the way, this comes out on Wednesday. So if tomorrow some more shit happens, we're going to have to interject somewhere else in this pod. <laughs> or we'll just leave. I don't know. Just, I we'll don't just know. let it go. We'll know. just let yeah. it go. Okay. All right. All right. Okay. Take it. Take it away, ladies of the past. <laughs> <laughs> Please, people, leave me alone because I don't care enough to interact with you. Because really don't care. <laughs> but also, but I right. think it's an interesting idea. I mean, the reason why I brought it up and the reason why I wanted to talk about it is just like, especially in light of my sharing about my own child last week and like mm-hmm. how that was put into the world. Um, and I'm really glad that I was able to talk to you guys about... Birdie and Birdie's very glad that I talked about their feelings and, you know, the thing. Birdie said something really interesting to me last night. Um, And then I'll get back to why I wanted to bring this up. But um, so I went in after I put Cricket to sleep. I went into Bird's room And I was sitting there and I was like, so, you know, I haven't looked. My publicist was emailed me and said that there have been like a lot of articles and stuff about the podcast and about me talking about your pronoun preference and that you're out and gay. And I just want to check in with you because I'm sure you either know that already or somebody will mention it to you or whatever. And I just want to see like how you feel about it. I said to Rachel Carton, my publicist, shout out to Rachel Carton, um, that I didn't need to see the articles. I don't want to, I don't care. I like, I don't, I don't need to read them. You know, that's not, I don't need to read other people's interpretations of what I very clearly said on this podcast because that's just me directly talking, right? And, um, and Bird, uh, and I said, but if you want to see anything or if you're interested or whatever, and Bird's like, Oh, yeah. No, I saw a ton of it. And all of them except for maybe like two set called me your child um, instead of daughter. And that was awesome. And I was like, oh, cool. Well, that's great. And then Bertie said, "Um, yeah, it is great. And those two were like stupid anyway. I was like, okay, well, cool. Um, And I said, but Bird, you know, there's going to be like... Also, there have been some comments on my Instagram and like there have been people like messaging me some pretty nasty stuff. And I just don't know if that will be a thing that maybe you will see. And I want to check in with you about that. And Birdie looked at me and said, wait, did you think that wasn't going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> and I honestly said, well, I don't know. I guess I hoped it wouldn't. And I hoped that I don't know. I hoped that it wouldn't. And then Bird said, um, yeah, well, fuck them. But honestly, 
<laughs> but honestly, and then said this, which is wild. And Shintira, maybe you can speak to this. <laughs> Birdie was like, you know, mom, coming out for most people is a never ending process. But you basically just like helped me because there's so many people now that I don't have to explain my pronouns and who I am. It's just a given. What the fuck? I was like, you're maybe a genius and I love you. <laughs> Bernie is a genius. I know. Well, she's there. Fuck. See, I'm trying. I'm trying. I'm practicing. You're trying to unlearn a lifetime of something. I know. I know. And we talked about it last week. And I, Shantira, I just thank you so much for all of the things that you said and like how just your perspective and how I really appreciate it. All right. Function of beauty. Function of beauty.com slash busy. You know what I did last night? What? I put Cricket in the bath after being upstate. And then I used our Function of Beauty hair care system that was created specifically for Cricket. And I combed that beautiful, long ass, curly hair out. <laughs> and that Function of Beauty conditioner really made it so much better. Listen, I'm just here to tell you, we love Function of Beauty. And I don't know if you've got goals for 2021. Some people do that. But maybe you should think about your hair goals. And it's okay to switch your current hair care products because maybe they need to just stay in the year 2020 and you need to get Function of Beauty. It's the world leader in customizable beauty offering precise formulations for your hair specific needs. I've told you this before. I'll tell you again. You take a quiz, a quick but thorough quiz, just like BuzzFeed. You tell them about yourself, your hair type, and the hair goals. And because your hair changes with the season, you can change your hair goals before your shipments. Mm -hmm. So that's amazing. You choose your own color and fragrance. And you can go fragrance and dye free if you would like. Every ingredient in Function of Beauty is vegan and cruelty-free. They never use sulfates or parabens. We love it. You guys, don't buy off the shelf just to be disappointed ever again. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash busy to take your quiz and save 20% on your first order. That applies to their full range of customized hair, skin, and body products. Go to functionofbeauty.com slash busy to let them know you heard about it from our show and you'll get 20% off your order functionofbeauty.com slash busy. Guys, uh, I don't know if you've gotten it yet, but I received my first shipment from Butcher Box and it's, it's a meat delivery. It's high quality, humanely sourced meat. It's a um, subscription. So like, it's, a it's subscription. like a, it's like a magazine subscription, but useful. No, I mean, this is like, it's so, it's so amazing uh, because we're never now without something to cook for dinner. There's going to be meat in the freezer. We can make the kids like the thing that they want. 
I'm trying to get them on sloppy joes, but they're not having it. I get it. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta stick with it. Just I want to. I love sloppy joes. Um, all the meat is free of antibiotics and added hormones. Uh, each box has, you know, nine to eleven pounds of meat. Um, it's packed fresh, shipped frozen, vacuum sealed. It stays that way. You can customize the box or you can go with one of theirs. Either way, you're going to get exactly what you want. It's a no-brainer. It's the best meat shipped right to your door, which means we don't have to be in that grocery store. ButcherBox is the most affordable and convenient way to get healthy, humanely raised meat. You get the highest quality meat around for just $6 a meal. And they even have free shipping nationwide except Alaska and Hawaii. So sorry, Alaska. Sorry, and Alaska and Hawaii. <laughs> Listen, guys, this is wild. Start your year off right with up to 10 pounds of free meat for a limited time. Butcher Box is offering new members their ultimate keto bundle when you sign up today. It includes one pork butt two pounds of ground beef and three pounds of bone-in chicken thighs for free in the first box by going to butcherbox.com slash best. That's butcherbox.com slash best. Go get your meat. (laughs) (laughs) We talked uh, on the podcast a while ago about like why so many like white gay people are, um, like Trump supporters, like I'm black all the time. Like ain't no passing on this one. I do not pass the paper bag test. Right. Uh, and it's one of those things where like also the way that I present it, people just assume I'm queer. It's like a bold assumption. I think that one of the things too, because you have short hair, because I have short hair. Yes. But the patriarchy. So insane. This is a thing too. Like I, um, also I had giant titties before, like even still, I would be like, I would have like, I'd be like 40 G and like have on a t-shirt and someone would be like, hello, sir. And I'd be like, I, I, I'm not saying that there's a way to look like a man or a woman in quotation marks, but 40 G titties is pretty ladylike on a given day in the, in, in the Ralph's sir. Right. So it's like, obviously, but what I found and like, this is a theory, this is like a thing that I I found is that like um, a lot of uh, just like white people uh, have to come out a lot because when like white, let's say women identify as queer, the assumption for white women, unless they are like dressed really, really hardcore butch or whatever, I guess, is that they are straight And then they have to be like, oh, no, like, because we say that whiteness equals femininity. So, like, so many white women go out into the world and, like, backwards caps and fucking overalls and fucking Air Force Ones and Jordans. And it's like a cute thing that white girl is doing that day. As opposed to if I, when I go out into the world, I know that I will be seen as a woman on certain days. And I know that I'll be seen as, like, a bit confused or told called sir on certain days so like it is gender is very performative it's like if Mm. i wear a dress everyone's gonna think that i am a woman in 40g titties and if i wear a sweatshirt and a backers hat everyone's gonna think that i am gay like those are just like bold assumptions that we make with like black and brown femininity so 
Brady's absolutely right. We like have to come out all the time, but like to be like a white and then I will say femme presenting, the assumption will always be that Birdie is straight because right. we associate straight femininity with whiteness, like pretty whiteness. So I think that like you definitely help them, but I also think that it's such a big deal to recognize that. Also to be brave enough to do that over and over again because that is trauma. To have to come in and, like straight people don't have to do that. Just think about it, like your gay cousin, everybody has one, you're always talking about they come home for Thanksgiving. Like, do you know how, like, do your straight cousins have to come home and perform for your whole family so i think that there is just like something to think about and i like am really like i think that this generation like me my generation is very fortunate to like have birdie and to have you and to have you all be willing to model this relationship because like this is what it looks like when it's good (laughs) when when the parent is doing a good job and trying and when the child has the opportunity to be who they are and be open Mm -hmm. about it because like Bernie could just be like don't say shit about me I don't want to be an example I wanted to point out something busy because I don't think you'll point it out for yourself is that it's not like you just went to bird and asked if you could talk about this it was an organic conversation that you were having about publicly talking about these things and getting better about it and bird offered go ahead and talk about this I've had similar things with my kids I never write or even talk on this podcast about anything with anyone important to me without letting them know that well since the since the rabbit and yeah Like I never, I always let my kids know, like I said something about you on the podcast today. Are you cool with it? You know, we can cut it out if you're not cool with, here's what I said, whatever, whatever. Um, That's the whole thing. I was always waiting for Birdie to tell me that it was something, if it was some, if it was something that they wanted me to do or to talk about. The conversation was truly about how I felt like in our relationship and in my being their mom that uh, I could do better with the pronouns. And one thing that I felt like was difficult for me was that I had to do two separate things for public yeah. and private. Yeah. And that was a, that is, has been a thing that's been since they came out with their pronouns, that has been a thing that I feel like has been an additional struggle. And Birdie was like, yeah, well, you can talk about it. That's fine. Um, or you, and you can use the correct pronouns when you post on Instagram. That's right. fine. Right. And so, you know, what's super fucking wild is some of the, Cause you know, I, I went through some comments and stuff. I guys, I know that you all are my close friends listening, but, um, I do use the close friends button on Instagram. (laughs) And, um, because sometimes I just, I'm like, I'm not interested in pop sugar, like pulling this and putting it on their fucking website, you know? And this had already taken on 
our conversation about my kid had already taken on its own um, life mm-hmm. that I have and they have no control over, right? So I close-friended some stories the other day about some of the fucking nuts things that people felt like they could DM me and say to me. And because it was just, it was really upsetting to me. And one Mm -hmm. thing that, but one thing that like keeps sticking with me is people accusing whatever, whatever it is, like it's some version of like, um, you're disgusting, you're sexualizing your kid, like you're doing this, you're perpetrating this thing on your kid. Um, you're using it for <laughs> publicity, which is truly wild. <laughs> Guys, I can like post about a fucking possum in my backyard and I'll get in people mag. You know what I mean? So calm the fuck down. I'm not hard up for the publicity. Well, it, it's <laughs> but- also, it's also like... Life is hard enough mm-hmm. being like like um young, like queer, uh like if you identify or as a woman, like Birdie don't need none of this. Birdie has hot, cool, rich, famous parents. Uh <laughs> Birdie lives in New York and it's fucking thriving. Birdie can yeah. do whatever they Birdie can do whatever they want. Do you know what I'm saying? So the right. idea, the audacity to think that you know how hard it is to fucking be 12 when you're straight cool and like this is the only time i'll cap for white men it's hard to be a straight cool white boy at 12 or 13 the audacity to think that anyone wants more burden when they're 12 or 13 is it it, it makes no sense anybody who's ever been to middle school in their lives in America knows that nobody wants extra anything when they're fucking 12. So think about that before you try to say that like a 10 year old doesn't know if they're gay or not. Nobody's like walking outside being like, you know what I want? I feel like being marginalized for the rest of my life. That's bonkers. (laughs) Exactly. And this recurring thing, which of course everyone at home it was block and delete all day long right I just wanted to get them out of my out of my inbox so I could get to the important things like cool companies that want to send me some free stuff or (laughs) um, (laughs) or like if a random famous person that I don't follow DMs me I need to see it Um, so I can't have it all junked up by these bigots and these horrible homophobes Um, so anyway like this idea that I was sexualizing my kid when in fact, like they're these people's heteronormativity prevents mm-hmm. them from seeing that like kids have like all kids have feelings and know their identity, like what what their identity is. And if you're somebody that's heterosexual and identify and cis gender, like it's not a question. It's not like it would never be if I was like, oh my gosh, you guys, Birdie has like, Birdie has a crush on a boy, you know, and everybody would, no one would accuse would ever me of be like, you're sexualizing. No. Yeah. And when in fact, this kid is the one who over the summer was like, I, like, 
I like the, you know, I always have given my kids the photo approval thing on Instagram, Mm -hmm. but over the summer, was it over the summer? When was that Casey? You'll remember where Bertie said to me, you got to stop. You can't post certain pictures of me because people are leaving weird comments about how beautiful I am and like my lips and about my lips. And I'm a child, right? I'm a child. And I was like, yeah, dude, I know. It's gross. I mean, listen, you can go to any Target, Walmart, and go into the little girls section and find t-shirts that say like, heartbreaker. Sexy bitch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Even like, even like, you know, people be like, wait, you guys, is that our new merch? Just like a one, like a baby onesie that says sexy sexy bitch. bitch. I mean, that's so funny. It's funny because like, it sounds surreal. But you know, in somewhere deep in a coals, there's a sexy bitch onesie right now. <laughs> <laughs> I don't but, you know. know. I just even like, if yes, it says that's... something like relatively benign, like heartbreaker, which is non-gendered, it's still sexualizing a little kid because that's it's correct. Pre-imagining that they'll be in some type of relationship where they have a sexual advantage to break someone's heart, and it's oh, weird, yeah. and it's something that we do all the time, and. Yeah, how many times babies do, all the yes, time? Yes, babies. Like, look at those lashes. You're going to be in so much trouble. You know, it, people call little boy babies a ladies' man all the time. Ooh, you he's know? flirting. He's yes. flirting. Yes. Look at him. He's flirting. And it's I hate like that shit he's so much. hungry. He's one. <laughs> you have <laughs> boobs and he wants to eat. <laughs> And it's so it's interesting because, you know, I had little boys, one little boy that was really like that, just really drawn to outwardly to paying attention, particularly to dark haired women, which I was at the time and just really and then also had a little boy who never wanted to talk or interact with anyone who was outside of our immediate family and also not really with anyone in the family. So like (laughs) they're just people are very different and it's very weird what gets a reaction. And then you realize that the person is doing the thing that they're trying to accuse you of. When I, when I was growing up, I'll say this, when I was growing up, I like wasn't a hot baby. Uh, So like, (laughs) What do you but mean? Like, what are you talking about? I mean, like, I was a very cute baby. But I mean, like, I call everybody a baby. I'm talking about, like, third or fourth grade. You know, like, there's always, like, the prettiest girl and the cutest boy oh, when sure, you're sure, in your sure. third yes. or fourth grade. I'll never forget when I was in, like, third or fourth grade. And I was, like, prime in my lisp, giant glasses phase. <laughs> and um, in the summertime, this is the first time I'd ever seen this. Uh, like the summer in Daytona, we like were hanging out with my uncle's like church group or whatever. And the most beautiful, truly like looked like a Gerber baby, like beautiful little girl. She was probably like five or six and like black people with eyes that aren't brown. It's just like the world fucking flips over. And she had like gray <laughs> eyes and she was like so pretty. And like everybody kept being like, your daughter's so pretty. Your daughter's so pretty. And like, this is the first time I saw an adult pull an adult aside and said, the next time you see my daughter, do not say that. Tell her mm. she's smart. Tell her she's funny. Tell her you yes. like her sneakers. I cannot have every time I bring her somewhere, a group of adult men, a group of adult women, a group. The only thing she hears all day is how fucking beautiful she is. And like, that's not, it's fine. But like, that can't be the only reason people talk to her. And I remember being like, 
dang, that makes it like not fully grasping yeah. it, but realizing that when people talk to me, like I'm not like a cute little gray eyed girl, but everybody told me I was so funny and that like I was good at basketball. And the only time they ever talked to her, they were just talking about how pretty she was. And I was like, to be seven and to have no one ever talk to you as a person except for like a being about how you look. And it's like, we don't think about it, but people do it constantly. Imagine the prettiest little kid you've ever seen. I bet you all day, all people say it's how pretty you are. Obviously not a bad problem to have, but something to think about. <laughs> I was going to say, as somebody who has two children who along the lines of like aesthetically pleasing you, you, you got it you got it traditionally you got it, traditionally yes, like yeah. whatever the standards are especially like in this moment yeah from day fucking one anyone oh so beautiful and i would say oh thank you you know she is so smart she's so funny <laughs> thank you she's you know what she's just the weirdest she's the goofiest <laughs> kid we just can't get enough of her jokes and like that was the thing that I would do and loud like like out loud to the person so that the kid would hear. And uh, that's like a good way to sort of offset and uh, and correct people in a way that's like not super oh, yeah. like shamey, but like also sends a message to your kid that like. That's not the most important thing in the world. By the way, will it make shit easier for you? Yeah, I mean, sure. That's yeah. part of the fucked upness yeah. of this world, but I think, it's I mean, much more important to cultivate other bullshit. Uh, yes, uh, this is like me. You know, improv is dead to me, but this is a true yes and um, moment. Is that you just yes those people because you don't want to be like no my my child is ugly as fuck. You want to be like, yes, and, you know? So they'd be like, yeah, and they did this thing last night that was so funny. They have the greatest sense of humor. Next time you come around, you got to ask them for one of their jokes. Like, it's real <laughs> smooth, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yes, and uh, they're really into dinosaurs right now. Uh, you know what I mean? Really play up the things that you like about their personality that is inherently theirs not that's like inherently come from the way they look so this is the only time i'm really pushing yes and you guys don't drag me <laughs> i have a little experience with this too because my sons are also tall and handsome yeah gorgeous they're handsome okay also let me just say they're handsome number one number two anybody out there if you've never seen them before they're both over six feet that's all it takes that's, that's what all i was it gonna takes. say is that they <laughs> are yeah. both over six feet tall and, and they have like symmetrical faces whatever yeah. that and, thing is like and where they're they're symmetrical one is like one is like uh could definitely be like a football hero and one is like rail thin like a runway model <laughs> which he has considered doing for work um, but you know it's it's that it is such a weird thing to have. And now they're getting to the age where I've had like grown women be like, how old is your son again? And I'm no. like, no, this is not, <laughs> this is not a conversation that I'm having with you, ma'am. But, um, <laughs> but which is, you know, it's, it's weird and we're just so trained to do it. But I have also had like the flip side. It's funny that my sons are tall and handsome. And because my husband is like a smaller guy, I'm like, uh, you know, I'm like a heavier woman. And it's just weird that we made these two like very tall. Well, I have to, sometimes the most attractive people have children that 
just are not don't that's fall what happens life. that's what happens and you guys well, aren't what, even ugly you gotta You're mix like, it up you gotta yeah, mix it up i don't i don't know how it happened exactly that our sons look the way they look my husband and i are perfectly fine we're adorable <laughs> beautiful people <laughs> but what i was gonna say is that and you made them with pure love and that's why they're so tall and gorgeous Oh, no. (laughs) But I was going to say that, you know, I've long had a practice, held a practice of never commenting on the way anyone looks just because I don't like if I tell someone that they look amazing and they're like ravaged by an eating disorder and that's like I'm reinforcing something. Or if I tell I went through a period in time where I was very ill and people kept telling me how amazing I looked and then they'd be like, what are you doing? What's your secret? And I'd be like, it's a tumor. And then, oh, no. like, one person literally was like, well, keep it up. No. <laughs> yes. And so that is when I was like, oh, keep shit. Up. This is the most, that is so fucking dark. Because You're so think, close to death. Keep it up. I think it didn't even <sighs> register with them that I was saying, like, actually, I've been kind of sick lately. And they didn't really want to know the answer. They wanted to hear that I was, like, doing keto or whatever. Um, so... Guys, I can't when, do keto. I know this is not the point. <laughs> it's true. It's true. But that's when I really realized like how well, conditioned we are to just tell each other, you look amazing. And then there are a certain group of people that never hear you look amazing. Oh, well, and that's noticeable. Yeah. I think a thing too that I also learned on the internet because I stay on the internet because I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, one of the things I also really, because like one of the things like associating like not being non-attractive to being bad like Mm. Mitch McConnell is an ugly bitch but he is bad for other reasons so like because there are people who aren't considered like conventionally attractive and we inherently are like well that person's ugly and they're bad and it's like that's not the correlation your personality doesn't correlate to like the way you look necessarily on the outside so like it's all this stuff that we're like learning wait here's the one thing I do want to ask Except if if people like Steve Bannon and Mitch McConnell were not horrible looking when they were younger and they've rotted from the inside out. Yeah. Yeah. That's- do you know what I'm saying? Because I do think I do. I have said that. I do think yeah. um, sometimes people's outsides catch up with their insides. Yeah. And yeah. I think that they're rotten people and that's why like their flesh is like falling off. Yeah, they're chunk. like falling apart. But then there's also like it's <laughs> but hard. Fle- because, <laughs> but I get flesh, what you're saying. Yeah, it's like hard because it's like one of the major things too. It's like people always like to tell be like Trump's terrible. He's fat. And it's like right. that is not a correlation to his racism, misogyny, and like yes. all those rape allegations. Like- and like Trump, Trump is never going to hear you saying that he's fat to him. But you know who's going to hear it? Every single one of your friends who is a good person who is also fat yes. is going to hear that you correlate fatness to badness. Uh, and so yeah. that's why I wrote an essay about this a really long time ago as it related to my weight and like all this shit that I was going through and like losing weight and gaining weight again, where I really became aware of just how much time we spend commenting on the way other people look even when we're saying it's like a positive thing and so I made a decision at that point to only ever say it's nice to see you which (laughs) instead of saying you look amazing and what have you done to your hair or not saying something when someone doesn't look amazing or 
you look tired, whatever. You look exhausted. <laughs> you know, that's so. bad no matter what. Never say that. Yeah, but people, people do. say that but shit to me do. all the time. You know, um, people just feel the right. And I think that people really have just gotten so accustomed to blurting out whatever pops into your mind about the way someone is presenting themselves. And so I just decided a while back that it is only within my rights to tell someone it is nice to see them when it is honestly nice to see them. Okay. So we'll probably cut this out, but Mitch McConnell was an ugly bitch when he was young. (laughs) (laughs) But here's what I want to say. You can, we can, we can say that, but here's what I want to say. If Mitch McConnell was a good person, we would think he was more attractive. Maybe you would think that like his, his unusual look was endearing probably. Yeah. Wait, Cause this is what I'm going to say. Shantira, look at this picture and tell me this is not a dude from second city. Oh, 100%. Like, you know it's what I mean? Who, from, like, it's a dude from Second City who, if he's funny, he fucks a lot. Right? To the point where you're yes. like, why is he fucking? And then they'll be like, he's on main stage. Like, truly. Yeah, but also, like, he's, like, hilarious. Like, yeah, he's, he's fucking so funny. funny. And a but good because person. I know he's an evil bitch, he looks right, like you think, fucking. I know. I'm telling you, I think context does Absolutely. have something to do with it. And I do think that he's rotted from the inside out. And that's why he's, like falling apart but because also have you ever like known someone that uh, at first sight wasn't conventionally attractive and uh, then like and then like five minutes later you have like a giant crush on them because of like chemistry and their personality okay can i also just say that that i feel like is a man thing because i know the funniest coolest dopest bitches in the world and they do not fuck and i know the (laughs) ugliest wormiest nerdiest loserous boys in the world but they are very funny and they do fuck so let's just talk about the patriarchy real quick but because is it the patriarchy but i really i genuinely am asking this question is it the patriarchy or is it like survival of the fittest or whatever like like whatever the the driving forces that you that cause you to procreate with someone like well, someone who could take care of you or cause like women are often like, we're not, li- I mean, obviously women are looking for whatever, but a lot of times it's like, it's like height. <laughs> oh, right. they're, they're funny. They are the last guy who was really hot was a real dick. And this guy is just straight up, not verbally abusive to me as to like a lot of, women a lot of men are like i don't give a fuck she's hot so (laughs) right that's what i'm saying i think like i don't know what it is for like i'm sure that there's a book or many and many studies and and someone will tweet it to us or dm it to us but i (laughs) but i just wonder that like in in terms of like what drives men to be sexually attracted to women like when if we're talking about hetero yeah, um, normativity, yeah. Normativity. What drives men to like want to fuck a woman is it like largely looks based and if a woman is drawn to like want to fuck a man who's like smart and seem and funny and like interesting. Right. You know. As someone Here's- as someone who is very funny, smart and interesting, let me tell you something. When you're in like very certain fields, men do not want to fuck power men (laughs) want to fuck anybody like I I genuinely believe like a lot of my friends who have had really hard times have been women who like do not put up with bullshit right and they are so funny and so smart and also so beautiful but 
they don't put up like we talked about last week they are in their own power and for mm-hmm. some reason a woman being in their own power just like that guy busy who was like you'd be hot if you shut the fuck up like right. that is different women a lot of times we're talking about heteronormativity this is the most i've talked about hetero shit in a long time <laughs> but like women are often attracted to men who are in their power and men are taught to be in their power and men are attracted to women who are not in their power because that's what they've been taught. Cause we're also mm-hmm. like, be small. When you're a little girl, they pushes you down on the playground. That means he likes you. And if like a man pushes you, that does not mean he likes you. So like, <laughs> no. you know, Right. And also, I mean, every this is an area where we probably have like three very unique experiences where Mm -hmm. I think we can usually identify pretty strongly with one or the other of us. Mm -hmm. I would say that probably we have very unique experiences and everyone is different. Absolutely. (laughs) Yes, everyone is. No, but I mean, but uh, we're generalizing about generalizing about men, and you know, this is a weird thing, and it always shocks people when I say, like, I am like again have been heavier my whole life. I'm not super tall. I have a baby face. I'm whoever I am. I'm like funny and smart and outspoken, but also am known to be nice. I. The, I think the most spicy statement I could ever make is that I have never had trouble getting attention from men. And people are always like, what? And like, I don't know that it's necessarily the same type of attention that you would get busy or that like Shantira, I've, I'm sure you've had. It is not the same. Right. <laughs> well, I'm, but I'm also for sure me, that you've, for had, me. you've had guys that have liked you. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, I... Also, like, sexuality is fluid. Like, I'm not, like, right. gay. Everybody assumes I'm a lesbian, and, like, that's your own performative right. act. <laughs> but, right. like, I've, like, dated men, and, like, I'm not dating them now. But <laughs> I right. think that there is, like, I know that, like, I look good in a dress, and if I wear a dress and I go out, men, a very particular type of man will talk to me. Also, I know that if I go out in a cool pair of sneakers, do not let a man tell you that they don't know how to compliment. The only time, if I wear a really cool pair of fucking blazers, (laughs) 15 white dudes will talk to me, and they'll be so nice, and they'll be like, first of all, they'll call me dudes, so right off the bat, I know they're not trying to fuck. But if I wear, like, a cool hat, or, like, I have my skateboard... So many men will walk up to me and be like, that's a really cool board. Where'd you get it? I love your shoes. Love that outfit. And do not, they're more than capable of not sexualizing you. So like, I have been on very both different ends of the spectrum. I've had men, like, I've had to go get a security guard because a man was being like, too fucked up and I was like I'm gonna slap you so let me go get somebody <laughs> and then I've also had the experience of, experience of like men walking up to me and being like fucking love those blazers that's cool I had a man up from across the street yell at me cool shorts bro like <laughs> <laughs> it's, they're capable <laughs> it's very funny do you know do you know the comedian Judy Gold Judy Gold is um, a good friend of mine. Um, she's a, she's also over six feet tall. She's an out lesbian. Oh, I wish I married was over to, six feet. Married <laughs> to a woman for, you know, forever and ever. Anyway, Judy Gold, she's great. Um, but she was a writer at the Rosie O'Donnell show at the same time that I was. And so, and we were just buds. We went everywhere together. Um, there was one time a very 
a person who's very famous, a very famous man. And he was like in love with her. (laughs) And it was hilarious to me because I was just like, please just like tell him that you're getting like it's in it's in the news you know like everybody knows and everybody knows that like you're married to a woman and this person I guess just never heard it someone who's very famous in like blockbuster (laughs) movies and he was just like Judy hi and like his eyes turned to hearts and it was so funny to me but he was just seeing what he wanted to see well you have to group chat who it is to (laughs) us we need to know 100% to bring it all back around before we get to our guest. Also, I have to tell you guys about the crazy, like Gina Linetti in upstate over the holiday and how we almost, I mean, like there's so much, I, Gina, that's my dog guys. In case you don't follow me on Instagram, <laughs> Gina, like was wild. Maybe I'll talk about it after we come back from the interview, but to wrap it all up, I, what I want to say about this is that like anyone, however you choose to put your your parenting or your kids online, you need to like really consider it. Also, just, you know, I, I know that every pe- people have lots of thoughts and feelings about how they pe- people both in the public eye and in the private sector should ch- sh- how they should share their children or should not share their children and if they should show their faces or not show their faces and people get real fucking judgy about all of it either way all the way around and all I'm gonna say is that parenting is fucking hard and you got and nobody has a playbook for this bullshit and so we're making it all up and so if you I would just say that using to the best of your ability as much critical thinking when it comes to sharing about your kids online with the knowledge that like, it's going to be there forever. Like I heard this one story guys about this baby that had like really bad, um, like bowel problems. And so the parents had like a, like one of those photo server things with the doctor that wasn't like private and then the kid got older I mean this was like like years ago and the kid's like a teenager and googled his or her name and what came up were like a photo was like a bunch of photos of like baby poops in a diaper (laughs) (laughs) in diapers from this like from this like period do you know what I mean because it was like gotten public long forgotten but just like just they were like, how do we get these off, off of the internet? This is the thing that shows up when you Google yes. this yes. person's name. It's like, oh, fuck. That, <laughs> that's a problem. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, and, and <clears throat> at some point, maybe, you know, I always say like, Birdie has about 47 books in them. And if I'm not like mommy dearest in at least the first one, it'll be a goddamn shock. Um, But, you know, we all, as we all, most of us had parents, most, most of us, some of us didn't have parents. You know that like from the experience 
of being a kid, you all have that moment where like your parents become real people, you know? Yeah. And some people, it doesn't happen until they themselves become parents. I'm guilty of that. And some people, it happens much sooner. Um, but I just think people need to like try to not judge others as much. And for your own self, try to be really thoughtful and considerate about things you want to share and the ways in yeah. which you wanted to share it. For instance, Bird and I discussed me talking about the pronouns and that birdie is out and gay. And I didn't, I purposefully was like, I'm not doing like an Instagram post. I want to talk about it where I can have a conversation and where we can like say the things we want to say. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to like. No, you're, you're making a really good point that it's when you're putting something out on social media or wherever you're putting out pocket it's meant to be consumed so you have to expect that it's meant to be consumed and then you have to assume that it will be somehow interpreted whether you agree with how it's interpreted or not you don't have control of that you can try you can try to say things in such a way where it's really funny I write stuff about my kid all the time uh you know, one kid or the other, but they're grown men now. So every once in a while, I'll be like, oh, my kid said such and such about Barney Frank or whatever. And then people will be like, oh, I'm sure your kid really said that. And I'm like, yeah, he's 18. He's like an adult man. (laughs) He did did actually say that. But people are just assuming that I'm doing like this performative parenting thing. And I'm like, no, this is just like another person in my life. Uh, Performative parenting. Thank you. I was, that was, I was trying to get there. (laughs) So, you know, you have to assume that people will interpret things in a way. One time my husband wrote this article for BuzzFeed about how we really let our kids watch whatever they wanted. Like we never paid attention to age inappropriate things. We just Mm -hmm. let them watch whatever, not porn, but like we just let them watch whatever. It's a conversation though you do have to have. Yes. (laughs) And I'm sure they watched porn on their own at some point. I mean, try to lock that down in in modern times. But, uh, you know, we my husband wrote this article about we let our kids watch whatever we watch it with them. Often we'll pre-watch something they're interested in watching and we're just there to like answer questions about it, whatever, whatever. It was like a Buzzfeed thing from a guy that like, you know, he's not famous and our kids are not famous. And so many people were like, you're monsters. Your children should be taken away from you. You're abusive. And, you know, the whole thing to the point where my husband was like, I will never write or say another thing about the kids like in any type of like official hot take think piece capacity. But also like we're so we're just really cautious because, you know, he put something out there. He was trying to say a thing, but it was interpreted in such a way by some people who were like, that's great. That sounds amazing to me. And that sounds like the right thing. And then some people were like, I'm calling child protective services on you. The other thing that I do Ooh, think is oh. interesting <laughs> is that like we all, like everybody has essentially a public platform at this point. Mm -hmm. Most people, you know what I mean? So like, no matter what your level of like, I don't know, being in the public eye, like every bitch has a podcast. Yeah. And also like, if I write something, which like one time I wrote something about my son 
was having a struggle. I put it on like my weird little Tumblr blog. And again, I wrote it with my son's permission because we were going through a rough time. He was going through a rough time. I was going through a rough time as his mom. And he was like, I think it'd be good to write about because like maybe it would help another kid that's going through a thing like this. And so, so anyway, the point is I put it on my weird little Tumblr and that's fine. That's my like 11 people seeing it. But then like, I think Michael Ian Black shared it to like a million people and then it became a different thing. So everybody has a platform, but there's always a chance that it can blow up to like exponential exposure. Which is exactly what we were saying before. It's like, there's always like a major player on the internet and like maybe you want to be a major player but if you don't you have to fully understand that if you put it on the internet it is w it's the world wide web (laughs) anybody in the world with some internet like could probably see it so i think that's the thing too people be like just my followers will see it and it's like the world is following and you might mess around and be the 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 lead actor and whatever play is playing out and is that yeah. what you want <laughs> for better is that for, what you want right for better you gotta really con- you really have to consider that while our guests today <laughs> really they had they had thoughts feelings and they really wanted to explore someone who made a very public leap into trying to launch an app. That's Jeremy Renner and <laughs> Sarah Ramos and Caroline Goldfarb made a very funny comedy podcast that I loved so much. But Sarah, Which you don't love podcasts, so for no, you to endorse is, a podcast, I don't. I don't. I really don't like podcasts. Um, <laughs> it was so funny. We were with uh, Tommy and Michelle, and Tommy would be like, "Hey, busy, have you listened to this pod- blah 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 pod- podcast?" I was like, "I have not." And then like. <laughs> And then like an hour later, he's like, right. That reminds me of the thing from this podcast, blah, 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 blah. And I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and he's like, so uh, on your podcast, uh, when Shantira and Casey, he clearly listens, like the man clearly is like into all the podcasts, listening to them constantly. And he even, you know, in ours, in fact, shout out to Tommy, but um, what he was like, how do you, why did, why? I mean, you guys just wanted, I mean, I get why you want to do a podcast, but like, you just really have no interest in other podcasts. (laughs) (laughs) I really don't. I really don't know what to say. I don't know. I don't know. You can like all sports, but only participate in one. That's right. That's right. And you know what? And you know what? I like to listen to music. <laughs> Who's got the time? I like to listen to my songs. My songs calm me down. Um, <laughs> so, but anyway, but I love, I love Sarah Ramos. I think she's such an interesting and unique uh, artist. And uh, Caroline, I've been a fan of for a long time. I like her writing and um she's had they collectively between the two of them they've had like 470 podcasts or something i don't know (laughs) they've had a lot of podcasts though i i do think and they've collaborated on a lot of stuff and sarah ramos does those she's had quite speaking of viral videos speaking of being the lead leading player on twitter and instagram sarah's really carved a niche in a wonderful way uh making the videos where she sort of redoes famous scenes from movies. I know you guys have seen them. I do think the social network one is probably one of my favorites. 
um, that got really interesting during quarantine. People would film their sides and then she would edit it together. Um, and she just did a thing. I posted it like two days ago. I don't know if you guys saw it. Um, where she did the TikTok deep dive into trying to figure out the two th- the year 2000 New Year's Eve party that was co-hosted by Natalie Portman and Britney Spears. And she was trying to get to the bottom of it. Which, of course, funny. we love because on Busy Tonight, one of our favorite things was Hot Old Goss. Yeah, I mean, Hot Old just- Goss. I mean, she would have been like a correspondent season <laughs> yes. two of Busy Tonight. R.I.P. R.I.P. Busy Tonight. Um, but we love we love these ladies. And, you know, also Sarah was a child actor and Sarah had a pivot that, quite frankly, shocked the fuck out of me. Shocked all of us. It really we did was. not. We did not know. And I actually don't think I don't even know if it's like public knowledge, but I so. don't I don't think it is. It isn't. So this is breaking news, guys. This is breaking news because we all thought one thing and then we learned something very different than what we thought. And is there, I haven't listened to the interview yet, Casey, you have, because it was edited. Is there just a great deal of silence afterwards? Because I feel like I didn't speak for like (laughs) eight minutes. Guys, just so you know, if there's not, we edited out eight minutes of silence (laughs) where I was like, truly, I was like, for the first time in my life, I don't know what to say. I did not know this information. Oh my God. Anyway, love these ladies. Guys, take a listen. Super coffee, super coffee, super, super, super coffee, super coffee, but super coffee, super, super, super coffee, super coffee, super coffee, super, super, super coffee, super coffee, super coffee. Guys, that was a hard thing to do, but you know what? I had my super coffee this morning, and so I am feeling super energized. Super coffee is a healthy, delicious alternative to sugary coffee drinks like frappuccinos or energy drinks even. Um, It was founded by three brothers, Jordan, Jake, and Jim. If you're like me and you watch Shark Tank religiously, I mean, I love Shark Tank. Do you guys love Shark Tank? So good, yes. Well, then you might remember the brothers because they were on Shark Tank in 2018 and they have been named Forbes 30 under 30 Guess who's invested in it? Guess who? J-Lo. J-Lo. You want to drink what J-Lo drinks? I do. Wait, what's your favorite flavor? I love the mocha. Me too. I like the mocha too. But you know, I'm like, I love chocolate. And I try try not to have too much. Um, Super coffee is made to power your entire day with a unique combination of caffeine and healthy fats and protein. And it provides a sustained jittery-free energy with no crash. I love it. If you follow me, you know that I enjoy having that kind of a coffee drink to start my day. And uh, and Super Coffee is like doing it for me. And it's only 80 calories per bottle. Super Coffee is keto-friendly, lactose-free, and gluten-free, which is a huge deal in my house. We've worked out an exclusive deal for our Busy Phillips is Doing Her Best podcast listeners you're going to get 25% off plus free shipping on any other best-selling variety packs. It's a great way to try out all of the delicious flavors. So go to drinksupercoffee.com slash busy or use code busy at the checkout to claim the deal. That's D-R-I-N-K-S-U-P-E-R-C-O-F-F-E-E.com slash busy. Also, Super Coffee is available nationwide in over 25,000 stores like Target, Whole Foods, Walmart, Kroger, and CVS. Try it. Just try it. You're going to love it. 
drinksupercoffee.com slash busy. Helix, I need you to sleep at night. So Helix is here for you, baby. Lay down on your Helix mattress after you take a quiz and they determine what your sleep style is and then they give you an option and then you get the mattress that's just for you. That's a bomb. That one was good. That was good. That was Guys, that one was good. That was great. We love Helix. We all have them. So good. I spend so much time in bed. Bed is like my office and I just am so grateful to have a comfortable mattress. So... Listen, everyone's unique. Helix knows that. They have several different mattress models to choose from. They have soft, medium, firm mattresses. Great for cooling you down if you sleep hot. Not my issue, but some people have it. And even a Helix Plus mattress for plus size folks. I took the Helix quiz. We all took it. We all have been sleeping very comfortably and well on a Helix mattress for months now. Yes. And we love it. We love seeing the unboxing videos If you're looking for a mattress, please take the quiz, order your mattress that you're matched to, and the mattress will show up right to your door, shipped for free. You don't ever have to go to a mattress. We're just trying to avoid stores, I guess. Yeah, all stores, especially a mattress store. You don't want to lay around on a mattress that people have been laying around. I can't even imagine at this point ever going to certain stores again in my life. Yeah, And that is one of them. It's um this we're really learning how weird a lot of our habits were. were I mean, yeah, I agree. You just go and, and listen, lay down. <laughs> it's awesome, but you don't need to take our word for it, even though all three of us are currently sleeping and very happy with our Helix mattresses. Yes. But Helix was awarded the number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired magazine, two publications that really know their stuff. Um, go to helixsleep.com slash best. Take the two-minute sleep quiz. They're going to match you to a customized mattress that's going to give you the best sleep of your life. They have a 10-year warranty for the mattress, and you get to try it out for 100 nights risk-free. So they will even come and pick it up for you if you don't love it. But let me tell you something, you will. Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for our listeners at helixsleep.com slash best. That's helixsleep.com slash best for up to $200 off and two free pillows. Go get an upgrade on your mattresses. Uh, we're so lucky to have two women that I am a huge fan of of uh and lucky enough to be friends with sarah for a long time now i've known you for a long time sarah since you were a kid was i full (laughs) a child at that point yes you were full blown (laughs) you hadn't gone to college yet right right well i was i was probably 18 or 19 yeah that's a kid that's like a kid casey how old is your actual kid 18 18 okay that's a kid it's okay. Um, but uh, ladies, thank you so much. And Caroline, I've been such a huge fan of yours for so long. Your writing and um, all all of the things that you do because I think you're really funny and I, I love pop culture as well. Um, and I always have appreciated all of your takes. They've always been the right ones. 
Busy. Thank you so much. It's an just, honor. I'm quelling. I'm creaming my pants with excitement. I'm just like, so you know. to say. When I heard about the Renner Files, which is the podcast that Sarah <laughs> and Caroline put together, ladies, this is this may be a surprise to you because you're on this podcast to promote that podcast, but and this is my own podcast. I don't listen to podcasts. I'm not. I, I'm not a person who has particular interest or time. And when I heard about the Renner Files, I committed to myself that it would be the podcast I would listen to this year. She made the time. I made the fucking time because I love it. So for the audience at home and anyone who hears this somehow, somewhere (laughs) at some point, can you very briefly give us the one sheet on what the Renner Files podcast I can screen is. share the one sheet if that's Great. easier. <laughs> the um, Renner Files is a six-part um, investigative, you know, docu-series, audio mm-hmm. docu-series, I would say, um, about the Jeremy Renner app, which is a piece <laughs> of internet ephemera that you may or may not remember Some people think they know everything about it. Some people have never heard of it. Basically, Jeremy Renner had an app. You know, Caroline, what's an app? An app is a thing on your phone that lets you do stuff. (laughs) So Jeremy Renner had one that was basically best described as it's like Instagram, but the only person on it is Jeremy Renner. Um, (laughs) And as some YouTubers put it, the only thing you're allowed to do is give him money. That's a really, um, really bombastic way of putting it. But in short, we wanted to get to the bottom of what the deal with all that was. But also just Jeremy Renner in general. Well, exactly. It's like, how do you, every question we had led to 700 other questions. (laughs) Exactly. Like (laughs) the mere idea that, Os- like an Oscar nominated celebrity two, of two the times, ca- two times, girl, two times. He's the most self-serious, like action star. Why did he have a janky, poorly functioning app? Like <laughs> what was the, what were the events that led to that? We knew but there was more to the story. Then you guys start to dive in and you realize he is an enigma. He Definitely is a (laughs) runner is a bitch that contains multitudes. (laughs) Oh my God. He's got layers. He has layers. And And a lot of those layers involve motorcycles. (laughs) And (laughs) vaguely misogynistic comments and actions. However, guys, can I tell you my one runner sighting? You know why we're here. We want to hear. Yeah, of course. Front row at Tori Amos at the Ace Hotel. Well, that very much connects to the fact that as we, you know, talk about at length on the podcast, Jeremy Renner is a very creative guy with various (laughs) financially lucrative side hustles, one of which is his music career. He's a very musical guy and he Mm -hmm. seems to have spun this passing interest in creating adult contemporary rock music (laughs) to kind of like a money-making hustle, like Sarah and I discovered that, and I gotta say, the podcast is full of twists and turns, revelations. There are so many twists, and there's great, there's great guest stars, and the actor that has been hired to be the voice of Jeremy Renner when reading <laughs> quotes of his is fantastic. Oh, Ben Asper did a fantastic job. One of the things, one of the twists we discovered was that Jeremy Renner at one point was 
like had this shady deal with Jeep where he was like creating music for Caroline, Jeep. Because it's not, you don't find it to be tasteful. doesn't mean it's shady. <laughs> <laughs> it was essentially like a brand sponsorship. It's like what I'm trying to do all the time, Caroline. He was, he was following in the footsteps of the Bacon Brothers. Wait, what? And his brother did the Poland Springs jingle. <laughs> I didn't even know that there was someone who was one degree separated from Kevin Bacon. He has a whole brother. Like, yeah. I know a lot about the six degrees. I did not know he had one right next to him. I didn't know there was a Bacon brother. I have so well, many. This is so many other tangents. But Caroline, isn't there a Britney Spears Kevin? There's a Britney Spears Kevin Bacon cell phone commercial that is. It's, it's mind boggling. It's like a twin. It's like a David Lynchian kind of like, you don't really understand it. It's really dark. But when I think of the Bacons, you guys, we got to say, I, I always think of the fact that they were swindled by Bernie Madoff. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Kara Sedgwick and Kevin okay, Bacon. Lost, right. And a I'm not, I'm, money. it's sad. Right? All their money? I don't know, but a significant amount. No, nah, she got, she got closer money. She good. She yeah. Good. That TNT drama money is no <laughs> joke. Anyways, bring it way back. I remember what we were talking about. Um, yes. Jeremy Renner did branded content for Jeep, and it was a brilliant financial move from what we can tell because what's better than licensing one of your songs to one Jeep commercial? Licensing <laughs> three of your songs to three separate Jeep <laughs> They funded an entire Jeep-themed music video where he's like this master of ceremonies in this like Jeep desert scape wearing a sparkly trench coat. You got to watch it. I've seen I it. And I've seen the Waititi's it. in the video for some reason. Guys, I... That's the thing. Mysteries the, upon mysteries. The Renner Files. So much. So when you guys... So you guys have been friends for a really long time. We met when we were teens. We did not go to high school together, but we did go to... And this is... Uh, as nerdy as it sounds, a teen improv class troupe at Second City Hollywood. Which ah, no familiar. Does not exist anymore. <laughs> R.I.P. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was this teen improv class that met every week and you would do a show at Second City every Wednesday night after you did like two hours of practice. And it was cool. It was like stage time and we were like 15 or 16. But because it was just for teens, the age range was from like, it was from like 11 to 18. And there were points at which Sarah and I were like 17, like juniors in high school. And we were doing improv with like full blown tweens. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like a child actor and Caroline was like a chic uh, student at a, a LA private school. We were made for each other. <laughs> you guys were kind this. of made for each other. And then you, Caroline went to college. Sarah was on the hit show, uh, Parenthood. My 18-year-old son was like, you are not even going to meet Patty Braverman. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's a fucking icon. Like, She's an Parenthood, icon. straight up. And mm-hmm. I was just some, you know, kid growing up, my parents are like far, as far away from the entertainment industry as you can be. My mom's a dental hygienist. My dad did <laughs> websites at Nestle. Like I can't. And Sarah was like an, a working, like famous actress. I was like, she wants to hang out with me. My dad, I live at my dad's condo in Sherman Oaks. Like this is the coolest thing ever. And Sarah would like, we bonded. She would take me on set when she did like, I'll never forget my greatest Hollywood moment was going with Sarah when she did a guest spot on Wizards of Waverly Place as a werewolf love interest. 
Um, so I want to like ask you guys, cause we really talk about pivots here. I love that you guys are such close friends because you've been a witness to each other's pivots in your lives. Mm. So Sarah, since I did know you when you were a kid, uh, sort of, um, <laughs> I remember when you made the decision to leave the show parenthood, a huge hit show to go to Columbia, right? Was it? Not the country, guys. Columbia University. You decided that going to school was going to be... And this is an unusual... I'm going to say it. This is an unusual pivot for an 18-year-old actor to make. Mm-hmm. What what happened? Well, I had visited Carolina at Northwestern. And I always visited my friends at college and was like kind of into the... You know, I wanted to go. I was like applying to go to colleges when parenthood got picked up. And I was like, okay, I guess I'm not doing this. But I'm going to give you a little scoop here um, because it actually was not my decision to leave parenthood. Like, and that was kind of how they spun it, which I never had the confidence at the time to be like, and people be like, why did you make this like decision, you confident, amazing girl? And I like didn't have the wherewithal to be like, oh, actually, like, they didn't ask me to come back to the show. That's like a family show or whatever. So I, they, like, didn't renew my contract, which I was, like, found out at my 21st birthday, which is a whole other. Oh, my God. Like, what? I, we can't even get into it. May was there. (laughs) It was like, um, it was like, just the floor fell out from under me. I was, like, so confused by everything. Um, But I was able to then say, oh, my God, I don't want to be in L.A. anymore. Like, what am I just going to, like, go on some auditions now while, like, everyone who, like, is part of my, quote, TV family is, like, going back to set? Like, this sucks. I don't know if I can do this. And did pivot at that point. and was like, let me just go try to go to college. Holy wow, Sarah, that is, first of all, Super fucking brave. Secondly, I'm glad that you decided. I I like, I have such admiration for you in so many ways. And like finding that out is, I'm really speechless. I had no idea that that was what had happened. And that must have been so fucking soul crushing. I can't even. Yeah, it was soul crushing. It was really confusing that they then like made an announcement like, oh, Sarah's like going to college. And it really made it look like. I'd made that decision, which made me feel like, oh no, like, is this embarrassing? Like, is the truth like so humiliating? They don't want anybody to know. Well, you like did them a huge favor. You did. You made Uh, it so easy for them. Yeah. But ultimately I am really glad talking about pivots. Like it was scary and I didn't know how it was going to work out, but I don't think the runner files would exist. (laughs) Okay. If it was... I mean, who's to say if the app would have even existed, if Renner even would have done the app, we don't know. It's true. Butterfly. Just don't know. Yeah. Butterfly (laughs) effect two, ladies. Highly recommend sequel, not the first. Um, Learn a lot about this kind of stuff from that. But Um. I think that that's like one thing that we really try to like to get at with the people that we talk to. And I truly didn't. We you guys at home, we do no pre-interviews. Um, I truly didn't know that. And in a way, I don't know, it's so much greater. Like it's such a bigger deal to me because 
not only did you make the decision to like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to try college for a bit and see, you know, and see how that works. But then you gave the network like an easy way to explain where you had gone so that it didn't actually affect anyone's impression of like you as an actor, like, oh, they didn't like her acting, right? Whatever the case may be, guys, people lose acting jobs all the fucking time. I was fired yeah. from How to Train Your Dragon when I was pregnant with Birdie and oh. replaced um, because they wanted someone more famous. And I was like, I like sobbed for days. It's fine. They only made eight of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think anyway, that one of the things too that's really interesting, um, especially as we talk about pivots, is that like... <clears throat> That specific experience is uh, an experience that so many people, not necessarily, obviously, the um, the television industry aspect of it, but this entire year has been a rug pulled from um, under us type of year. Everybody had plans. Everyone had expectations. Everyone had goals that they A had lot of set. people had 21st birthdays. Yeah. yeah. And um, uh, even, like, going to college, like, I know Casey, the same thing. Um, I call her son my son, Lincoln, um, our <laughs> son, uh, is in college in his freshman year, is in his hometown house, right? So I think that this is, like, very relatable uh, in a way that, like, has never really been as relatable. Like, usually it's, yeah. like, it's just me, but, like, this whole country country got fucked so it's <laughs> oh like God, it, i yeah. think that like it's nice to know that like we can talk to you about it and be like oh my gosh like that is an experience like as you've come out of the other side of it because we're still in the thick of it obviously you're still in the thick of this year we all are but to come out of the other side of it with like your friendships and these new creative um prospects and all the cool shit that you've done like how did you like feel. <laughs> yeah. How did you find your way back? Because one of the things that I admire so much about you and Mark and I talk about it is how you do all of these different creative endeavors. And some of them are like hugely successful. Renner Files, um, you know, what do you call your like shorts that you guys put? Oh, on your quarantines. Yeah. Your quarantines. Um, I just admire that you put so much different kind of stuff out there and and find your way in so many different areas. And so it, do you think that's a direct result of the parenthood debacle. debacle and then going to college? Because you were just like a straight up actor for hire child actor that was then on a hit show. And like that trajectory is very fucking clear. We've seen it a billion times. I'm sure I would have done weird things anyways. Like when I was on parenthood, I was making, um, random video music videos of the cast of parenthood like dancing <laughs> Taylor Swift songs like I was like always making um insane stuff and made a, a short film at that time that went to Sundance but I think I don't it just was such a pulling the rug out from under me that I was like I don't I want to go in a different direction. And I went to college to study creative writing, like fiction writing, not like screenwriting or acting or anything. I was like, I really need to have a different life than this because this is so small. But Caroline, I don't know. Do you remember this period at all? I just remember getting a first row seat to how devastating being an actor can be. 
like, and I don't want to put you on the spot or blow up your spot, Sarah, but like, I was there with you when you almost got roles on huge shows and it came down to you and one other person. And like, you would have put in hours and weeks and like, I mean, you just can't even imagine. And I would just see you go through these ups and downs and it was hard, sad, hard to watch. And like, like everyone's saying, I think it's so brave. I always thought it was so brave and so cool that you like moved to a new city, went to Columbia, just did it on your own. I always, I always thought that was so amazing. And you've earned everything you have. You're a really hard worker. You, it's just amazing to watch. I'm always inspired and amazed by Sarah. And I'm just going to say, jack of all trades, noticing any parallels between Sarah and Jeremy Renner. (laughs) We're all thinking it just a little bit, except for the personality, gender, misogyny. But jack of all trades. I do want to say that is something that's, that has... I was just thinking about, yeah, like I Look, wonder. Attracted the project for a reason, you know. Yeah. There's, yeah, simpatico, baby. Can I, can I can I ask you too? <laughs> so, like, you're in college, you're in Chicago at Northwestern, right? And I know that you like, I mean, Second City, the Chicago Second City is there, but like, did you go there specifically to like 100 percent for comedy? I was obsessed with you're, comedy. Did yeah. a ton of improv, which is so embarrassing and lame. Like, same. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but went like, to when Northwestern went because like Stephen Colbert went there. Julia Louis-Dreyfus went there. Seth Meyers, like, I was like, I'm going to go to Northwestern. And I'm going to be on Meow, which is like the coolest student improv show in the world. And like looking <laughs> back on it, it was truly us in like a dirty shack, like singing and doing bad sketches. But that's why I went. I did it. It was so fun. I made like all these comedy friends. Uh, but, you know. So how did you end up leaving college and then ending up back together where you are now? You know, I, it was so much of it was just driven by confusion and fear and just being like, okay, I have no prospects. No one cares about what I have to say. Like I'm doing stand up or improv like after college. And it's just like, I am nothing. No one cares about me. So I was like, okay, well I'll start like being funny online. And then that's how I started doing this Instagram account called official Sean Penn, which is like pop culture comedy. And took off in a really fun way. And I was like, oh my God, I'm like saying, like saying crazy shit, posting pictures of like Judy Dench with like a fish on her boobs. <laughs> I knew of official champagne before I specifically knew about you. <laughs> Which I think is like, I was like, oh, this is like a cool thing. And I think that one of the things that you're hitting that I think both of you have hit is after your pivot is like, you've like, wrote for yourself uh what people say to do all the time but you actually did it so like as you're creating all this content that like really like is cool how are you feeling with the response to it and like how do you decide to keep making more well we chose to release it in the six weeks leading up to the biggest presidential election of all time (laughs) Um, (laughs) did it get lost in the news cycle i don't know perhaps yeah, I bet so. I bet so well, many people were glad to have something to dive into and be right. entertained. They're by. like, they're like, democracy is at risk of incinerating. But like, sure, we'll listen to your podcast. But Sarah and I were like, what if Trump wins? We can't then release the Jeremy Renner podcast after that. It was like a very <laughs> wow. like two bad options. There's no going back. <laughs> The good news about podcasts, I guess, is that they exist into perpetuity. So listen, (laughs) guys, anyone can catch up on the Renner Files. Yes. Do yourselves a favor. Click subscribe and download now. It's evergreen. Yeah, it is evergreen. 
And I mean, I do have to say the Seth Rogen <laughs> alone, right. like giving his feelings about Renner on the on the um, reality show he was on. Why is it? Why am I blanking on the name? Busy. I, I have to say, and far be it for me to correct you, but I wouldn't say he's sharing his feelings. But just to give some background, we found out that Jeremy Renner was on a Bravo reality show about struggling actors, and we could not find a fucking frame of this reality show online. It has been wiped. Bravo's very good at scrubbing, scrubbing oh. history. He was on season two. Season one of The It Factor is readily available anywhere you look for it. But season <laughs> two, starring Jeremy Renner, oh, conveniently nowhere to be found. And you, I, we went deep in forums and you could get a taste of like, Jeremy Renner was wild in. Going crazy <laughs> wow. on season two. And I'm like, we have to find out more. And through Twitter searches and like cross-referencing, I saw a Seth Rogen tweet where he was like, has anyone else like, see, does anyone else remember Jeremy Renner on this reality show? I saw every episode. I want to talk about it. And we're like, oh my God, this is like the <laughs> only person we can find who has knowledge. So he was sharing, he was a true like historian with the info that we needed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And he just happened to be. That's the universe looking out for you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like <laughs> Wow. It's meant to be, baby. When it's meant to be, it's meant to be. That's how powerful Jeremy Renner is, though. That <laughs> I, I know. He was like, able to completely erase everything except for Seth Rogen's mind. That's Marvel. <laughs> Casey, I wonder if you could call your old boss, Andy Cohen, and pull a favor for these ladies oh. and get at least one episode over to them They that, you know, they could just watch... And then return. I feel like I've had closure on it. <laughs> really? <laughs> I personally don't. Busy. I'm, I'm, I'll come over. Did you it. guys watch The Starlet on the CW back in the day? Is this a reality show about aspiring actors? It was aspiring <laughs> actresses, The Starlet. I was afraid. I was and afraid to. And the uh, winner got like a walk-on two-line role on One Tree Hill. And Vivica A. Fox... Mm -hmm. was judged at one point. This sounds like and something I do want to watch now. I love Vivica A. Fox and, and her line of wigs. <laughs> I have to say, like, I think that the early, or the it wasn't early 2000s, right? It was like sort of mid-2000s reality show, competition shows. That was like, to me, the like sort of peak when people weren't jaded yet and didn't know what they were yet. So they were coming oh, yeah. in to a new experience. They were just people like taking their shots. You know yes. what I mean? Like they just were like, we, I don't know what this is, but now everybody is like, Oh, I'm the bitch. Like I know what my role is on this reality show. So I have to do right. that. Right. But like back then it was just like, no one had any fucking idea. There was a time when reality was kind of just starting and like, everybody who was interested in being a performer was also considering like, well, will I get into reality? So, you know, like Jax Taylor from Vanderpump Rules, he was roommates with Channing Tatum. Ooh. Oh. Mm. And two like, different paths. Two different yeah. paths. <laughs> Butterfly effect yet again. I did see a photo, a group photo from like early 2000s. Um, and it was like, Jennifer Lawrence was in it. I, I'm going to butcher this, but it was just breathtaking. The the young, disparate starlets that were, I mean, Busy, you know this. I, I really want to push you to tell us about your early Hollywood days. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it was kind of, it was wild. There was a, there was a bar that's now gone called Dublin's on the Sunset Strip. Yes. And Dublin's would have 
I can't remember what night it was, but it was called like Young Hollywood Night and it was hosted by like <laughs> Shane West. And ooh, yeah. The night was and, hosted? Yeah, like it was like they would have different hosts and like, you know, it would be like, you're exactly right. And Pantera Sarah, who I don't know why she hasn't written a book, but she was this party promoter. And it would be like Cameron Diaz and Shane West and like, yeah, and then like Jax from, you know, or like some person, you know, like somebody who then went on to be a reality star or whatever. It was a, yeah, definitely. But I was, I was like always on the periphery because I went to college. (laughs) And Uh, so I was like in my early years on Freaks and Geeks, Colin Hanks, while he was a star in his own right on the show Roswell, we went to college together at Layla Marymount University. So like, we hung with our friends in Westchester, like at, <laughs> who were still at LMU. It wasn't like I don't paparazzi. Know. It just probably for the best. I so grounded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, I, I just wasn't like I always wanted to like go to Sky Bar or whatever, but <laughs> it wasn't. That wasn't my journey. Um, anyway, well, not to bring it back to Jeremy Renner, but please do. A huge part of the podcast is like not a huge part, but. He is a big karaoke person. And there seems to have been this Hollywood like early 2000s karaoke scene that Jeremy Renner was a really active part of. And we were we put together this like bulletin board, like strings. And it was like, Jeremy Renner would do like weekly karaoke nights with Sam Rockwell. And then Jeremy Renner and Michelle, wait, wasn't it not Michelle Williams? It was someone, Sarah, do you remember like what? It was Amy Adams. It was Amy Adams. Amy Adams. Sorry. That makes more sense. The busy, the busy, the busy obviously triggered something in my, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was. Well, interestingly, you know, Michelle was supposed to be Amy Adams' part in. um, Arrival? No, the fir- the movie that first her first mo- like big movie that like made her a star. Um, oh my god, what? Enchanted? Huh? Wait, what did you say, Sarah? Enchanted? Junebug? Wait, Junebug. So I have always thought of the two of them as being sort of simpatico. Yeah, oh. Michelle. Typically, it's the Amy Isla Fisher. Yeah, oh, I'm not yeah. saying Amy and Michelle look alike. I'm just saying like I think of them in a weird. There's sort a tether. Of- well, these are the kind of things that happen behind the scenes that nobody knows about sliding doors it's yeah. true. <laughs> it's a, it was a real sliding doors because then you know michelle did brokeback mountain and then they were both at the oscars that year wow oh i love it the kind I of love it too. juice we live for i have an important question i feel uh, like it's a, it's important to me great <laughs> i love i love the runner files my question is when, okay, so it's a six-part series. When you're pivoting out of this, do you feel as if you will further investigate another thing about Jeremy Renner? Or is it possible oh, you'll investigate another oh God, no. celebrity mystery? I don't want to go deeper on Jeremy Renner. Okay. <laughs> Hit the bottom of the barrel on Renner. Like, there's nowhere left to go. I'm, we're at the core. It could get dangerous. We, we, we were in danger at points. <laughs> But um, we have some ideas floating around. I mean, I don't, no spoiler alert, but I just had a really good idea this morning of a mystery (laughs) to investigate. And I'll tell you guys for the first time, and Sarah, you'll be hearing this for the first time as well. Have you guys ever heard of the feud between B. Arthur and Betty White on the Golden Girls? Mm -mm. No, I didn't know one existed. Apparently, B. Arthur hated Betty White for like, acting reasons, like attitude reasons, like they were at each other's throats. And mm-hmm. at least I want Ryan Murphy to do a season of Feud. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, there's the famous story. There's this famous industry legend that I always hear in writer's rooms. It's like the story that gets told, writer's room ghost stories, that B. Arthur took a shit in Betty White's trailer. <laughs> and it's a, I, it's a myth. It's a legend, but I always hear it. Wait, I mean, th- how mad are we to be? Did she take a shit in the toilet or just like on a couch? <laughs> this is part of the mystery that we have to find out. I think I I just feel like I don't know. I feel a closeness to be Arthur for some reason. I I feel like it was a shit in the toilet that <laughs> she didn't flush. Yeah. Oh. I think it was left or she like in the trailer left streaks. Oh, okay. I think it's the <laughs> former if I had to guess cuz just streaks you're not really sending a message with streaks. <laughs> well, it's a trailer. It, it lingers regardless. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that, that is, also is so purposeful because you know she had her own trailer. So no matter what, she was there to send a message. message. She Who wants to, to sync up your own trailer when you can you can hotbox Betty White? Message received. So that's just one of the many mysteries that Sarah and I are considering taking on. <laughs> I think there are so many Hollywood mysteries and I really, I don't know if, you're going to get one that has sort of as much meat in it as the Renner <laughs> files. Oh, my. I don't you're know. Right. So much to mine from. It's so true. much to, and then not to feel bad at all about. It was the perfect balance of silly right. and serious. Like it was a once in a lifetime story. And, and the reality is like putting together a full blown, like level, like serial level production quality podcast when Sarah and I are both like I'm in a writer's room full-time like Sarah's doing a million other things like writing acting it was a huge creative undertaking and I don't know if we'll ever do it again we were originally (laughs) going to do it like with a network and then pivoted and we were like trying to find another network trying to find anybody to in some way help us on this journey And it was just like, oh, maybe if we went that route, we might have had it out in like 2022 or something, should the world exist. And we just decided to do it independently and release it completely independently. And she was a journey. She was a struggle. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you guys lean in. I feel like you could become like the Keith Morrison and Josh... Josh Mankiewicz of Celebrity Mysteries. <laughs> there you are so have many. like a Dateline type. So much money in but, it. <laughs> but also, well, I was going to say, but also maybe instead of independently producing it next time, maybe you do just like maybe go to Cloud 10 or iHeart or yeah. maybe, maybe any of these places. People will be less cowardly this time around and, and yeah. they'll, they'll see the... Did you guys pitch it to podcast networks? There was a point at which we were... Sarah, after I tell the story, tell me if we should edit it out. We were very close to a deal with and we- We can bleep out the name of the company. We had, the podcast is full of like clips of Jeremy Renner on TV and like uh, late night appearances and clips from his songs. And like, we have some awareness of how media works. Like the clips are really short. Like we didn't, you know, know, whatever. We tried to keep it like modest and we got- a list of all like the media we use and they're like so this is gonna cost five hundred thousand dollars just to license all your like silly little jeremy renner clips like she's like we're gonna have to take it up the chain with legal i'm just like oh my god like it was just all 
so serious. We're like, this is a silly, fun thing. It's really, really entertaining and funny. And like, I laugh out loud, guys. I've lolled. <laughs> it's I've very lulled. funny. I've lolled a lot <laughs> listening to The Runner Files. I'm full disclosure, not through the whole thing. Because again, podcast. a podcast exists in a way that you can listen to it whenever you feel like it. Guys. You make it work for you. You make. It you make also it have to you. savor it. You have to savor it because it's only six episodes. Savor the flavor. Yeah, mm. you're absolutely right. And I did want to flag slash check if you'd gotten to the moment where we do name drop you, Izzy. I haven't gotten to it yet, but I'm excited. We do <laughs> as part of a really exclusive group in Hollywood, which is the Hollywood Power Mom Entrepreneurs. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm not really a mom entrepreneur, though, if you don't, yeah, because I don't, I don't have any products. You do. Well, we, what you we merch posit, coming. I'll refer, what we posit is that social media for celebrities is like a very scary place and there's all kinds mm-hmm. of things mm-hmm. happening and like you can get lost in the shuffle or like fuck up and very serious. But the people that seem celebrity wise that seem to have social media on lock and make it work for them are s- s- powerful Hollywood moms, some right. of which are mm. entrepreneurs, and you just like the word right. entrepreneurs. I love <laughs> entrepreneur, but like to like, let's just be honest. I'm not fucking Jessica Alba with my you know honest company. I mean, who is? Well, I mean, I guess Kristen Bell now, and maybe also. Oh uh, well, there's so many low key entrepreneurs too. Like, I mean, Mila Kunis and her husband's Duff. investing in like Uber and yeah. stuff. Like, she's a adjacent. Well, mom. that's different. I also I, love calling him. Uh, her husband. That is a thing that I enjoy. Of just yeah, being Ashton like, Kutcher, <laughs> Ash, that could be honestly, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. guys. Just like the amount of money invested in like crazy real estate and cra- like ha- I didn't fucking know I was around at that time. I literally lost all the money I had made in 2008 in a bad real estate investment because I like bought Rachel Bilson's house and <laughs> then it was like the market tanked. Anyway, so that's in my book, guys. But I just like, I feel like that, I would listen to that podcast next. You also told me a really interesting story, a pop culture morsel that I carry around with me that you know the woman, a woman who was cast as Samantha. I do. Sex in the City. Mm -hmm. And then recast. Dang. Um, the, the, The true story, and I think it's now actually been put out publicly like in the last several years but um Mark's writing partner so my husband's writing and directing partner Abby Mark and Abby met at USC film school their 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 final project their movie that they made together that they wrote and directed they cast a woman named Lou Thornton who then she and Abby became good friends and she was just an actor working in LA making it happen and she had a lot of success like I think she's like a you know like all those women of that sort of era like a guest star on Seinfeld or like you know Mm. whatever and and then she was cast as Samantha on Sex in the City and the story is apparently that they had Darren Star had wanted Kim 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 Cattrall Kim Kim Cattrall yes Darren Star had wanted Kim Cattrall. She had passed. They did like a tradish casting session. They found Lou tested. She got the part. She did the table read. And then Kim <gasps> Cattrall came back. 
and said that she actually did want to do the role. And so they paid Lou out. Like she got paid, you know, like in those, in the way that you do, like she got paid out because Mm. there was no reason for her to be fired. Right. But it like, I don't, I mean, I think she pretty much like quit after that and like, you know, has a family and like whatever. But I, I think, and I was not around at that time. Mark and Abby were around her at that time. And I think it was just like a crushing blow that that's like gut wrenching. Yeah. My audition for Walk the Line still haunts me. Um, (laughs) Oh my God. Worst audition of my life. Um, Caroline, did you, did you want to be on SNL? Was that your, like, did you think that that was the goal, the goal for you? Yeah, 100%. You know, I was just kind of a basic little comedy nerd and nobody goes to Northwestern unless they want to be on SNL. I know. They either want to like do journalism or be on SNL. (laughs) 100,000%. I, (laughs) I, I, you know, it, all I wanted. It was my dream. I would watch old SNL episodes. My icon was Gilda. Like, and I didn't even like, I I didn't even know. I thought it's like what you should like. Like it just felt like Mm. it's the only job. Watch old episodes of (laughs) SNL. And I would like be like frowning. It was so unhappy, but I was just like, this is comedy, baby. (laughs) Right. The real stuff. No exaggeration, ladies. Almost every guest we've had on this podcast was spurred by their rejection from SNL. It's the most amazing TV show. Like just from a production standpoint and like the history of it, like, everything about it. I still am an SNL nerd. I get hard on like any little nugget of gossip <laughs> about Lauren Michaels. Like I want to know who the writers that were hired. Like I'll never break free of that hold SNL has over me. But like after having learned about what it's really like to be a writer there, what the process is like really like, I just know I would have crumbled in that environment. Um, and you're writing for Chad now, Caroline. So I wrote for Chad last year. That's going to be on last year on TBS at some point in the new year. And now I'm writing for a new Mindy Kaling show for HBO Max called the sex lives of college girls. One guess right. what it's about, ladies. <laughs> it is about sex. And uh, it's going to be great. The cast is so, it's like a girls, H, it's like a girls sex in the city style structure oh. where you have four female protagonists, their lives intertwine. It's something special. Uh, we got Timothy Chalamet's older sister is one of the girls. Like, tune in. Okay, you guys, I'm going to let you go because I think it, we're all tired. But also, <laughs> I want one, I have one last, <laughs> I have one last question for you, Sarah Ramos. As a super fan of things, you continue to be a super fan, do you think? A hundred percent. And Caroline, would you say that that's like a defining characteristic of yourself in your pop culture consumption and um, satire of pop culture, that you're a fan? Or do you think you hate it? It, I wear it on my sleeve. I'm obsessed. Got it. (laughs) But listen, before we go, I just want to say... I love that you both come from a place of where you really love the thing that you're sort of satirizing. And I think that's why it connects and is so infinitely fun to watch all of the different things that you both sort of participate in and then collectively what makes the Renner Files in particular so enjoyable to listen to because... I, it's not just a straight up like you think you're fucking better than this shit and so you're making fun of it. It's like a genuine like awe and love and respect. Ladies, I'm so glad you guys met in that second city teen improv class all those years ago. 
and you've maintained your friendship and your creative collaboration over your shared love of pop culture. And nowhere is it more evident currently than on the six-part series, The Renner Files, available now where you get podcasts. And don't forget to make a donation directly to the ladies. They'll tell you how when you listen to the podcast. Um... (laughs) I love you guys. Thanks for doing this. this was, thank you, so guys. Fun. Thank you so much. So nice to All meet you. Time. Uh, guys, it's the new year and everybody's got different thoughts and feelings about their goals for this year. Look, Shantira was just talking about how she's trying to eat a little bit healthier. And mm-hmm. I also am trying to put good nourishing things in my body and the bodies of the people that I love that live in the house with me. <laughs> so um, guess what we're doing? HelloFresh. What is HelloFresh? Well, with HelloFresh, you get fresh pre-measured ingredients and mouthwatering seasonal recipes delivered right to your door. HelloFresh lets you skip trips to the grocery store and it makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. And that's why it is America's number one meal kit. Yay! Um, Green Chef is now owned by HelloFresh and it has just a wider array of meal plans to choose from. There's honestly something for everyone. Uh, I love switching between the brands and now my listeners can enjoy both brands at a discount with me. So I don't know. I just get very stressed out, like trying to plan meals, especially when I'm working and everybody's just got shit going on. You know what I mean? It's just hard. Yeah. yeah um, they're, re- they're really great. I mean, they sent um, some food and I had a really great chili. I love a one pot and done kind of action. So um, not only do they send good food, they also send you like good options for like, your lifestyle my lifestyle is a yeah. one pot lifestyle baby <laughs> there is like over 23 recipes offered each week a range of flavors and cuisines and ingredients so you don't get bored and i also just have to say i appreciate now that i live in in new york city like grocery store trips are arduous and uh i don't have a ton of space in this refrigerator and so it's nice to have things that are already pre-portioned ingredients so i'm not overbuying and i'm not being wasteful they sent me exactly one garlic clove and let me tell you it was nice baby <laughs> it was nice to just have the one and not have to worry about the rest <laughs> um well guys please go to hellofresh.com slash 10 best and use code 10 best for 10 free meals what including free shipping HelloFresh.com slash 10best and use code 10best for 10 free meals, including free shipping. That's one zero, not the letters. Oh, thanks. Thanks, Shantira. It is America's number one meal kit. And I guarantee that you are going to love it. And I think I'm going to go take this offer myself right now. (laughs) well you know me I love to work out and I love workout leggings and sometimes I don't love workout leggings like for instance I'm not even gonna lie guys I was wearing some workout leggings today they're going in the trash I hated them I hated them (gasps) I truly did 
Is there anything worse than a leggings blowout? No, there's nothing worse. (laughs) You know what I do love? What? I love my sweaty Betty leggings, my workout leggings. Yes. I love them. In fact, I wore my sweaty Betty leggings all day the other day, and I had a a lot of drama happening. I'm going to talk about on this very episode with our dog, Gina. And honestly, very comfortable. I felt great at the end of the day. They've sold over 500,000 pairs. Sweaty Betty's five-star rated power leggings were the ones I was wearing. And it helps you like crush your workouts. All tucked in and they're like sweat wicking and they have little pockets where you can stash things because that's always a problem with leggings. It is a problem with leggings. Not Uh, these. No, not the... And they're high-waisted and squat-proof performers expertly placed seams that also make you look and feel at the top of your game. I love Sweaty Betty because, first of all, like, I love their um, style. They've always offered really cute patterns and prints and super cute, different-looking workout gear. But the Sweaty Betty power leggings are so incredible, and they really do, like, keep you going, Um, And you know, I do so many leg lifts. So I wear the Sweaty Betty Power Leggings and you should too. Because you deserve to look amazing before, during, and after your workout, go to sweatybetty.com slash best and use our code best at checkout to get 20% off your purchase. This is the best offer Sweaty Betty has available anywhere. Okay, so spelled S-W-E-A-T-Y-B. E-T-T-Y dot com slash best. Use our code best at the checkout. Sweatybetty.com slash best. Promo code best. Well, I really enjoyed that. Guys, can't recommend that podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That one podcast. The one podcast that's like basically just six episodes. But it's real funny. You can do it. You could take, essentially, you could take a long walk and probably finish it. Yeah. But it's it's worth it. I loved it. Um, I love Sarah and Caroline. I hope that they'll um, come back again. And that was really shocking to find out that leaving parenthood was not, in fact, her choice. Yeah. Still not over it. <laughs> and that, this is the eight minutes of silence um, <laughs> busy wait, not guys, to be a real Tommy Kale but besides that one podcast I know you don't like podcasts but have you ever listened to yes, like a podcast yes the very first viral podcast Serial Serial I was an early I was an early adopter I started listening to Serial like immediately but that was when I was doing Cougar Town I lived yeah. in Hollywood we shot in Culver City, I had about, depending on traffic, 45 minutes at the early, like at the shortest yeah. drive to work. And I just got into that podcast. Like it just yeah. was, I was like immediately into it. I told everybody at work, they had to listen to it. Like everybody's like, what are you talking about? That was my first big podcast too. And I think that a lot of other podcasts suffered from it because I spent so much time like chasing that serial dragon. You know, like oh, maybe wanting, that's my issue. Wanting to have that serial experience again, and even like the second 
season of serial I was hostile toward. Like when they tried yeah, to do I was another too. another crime, I was like, dude, I legit found Jay on Facebook before it got like taken down. Before he to- like, I like. I was like a crazy person. I was obsessed with the story. I was like, he's in Rancho Cucamonga. Let's go. Like, I like found him. I um, I also am not a podcast bitch. Um, I, I, I did listen to Serial because I was like sad and in Tallahassee for three months. So I listened to it. So like, I'll say this, like, I... Whenever I'm listening to people talk for a long time, I don't retain it. So like, if... If, if you have a good podcast and you can give me the transcript, I'll read it and I'll remember it. But if I'm just listening, I won't retain it. I can't do, it's not just, I can't do books on tape. I can listen to music because I know that if I miss it, I can go back one song and it'll be fine. But if I'm listening to a podcast or a book, I will listen and miss everything that is being Yeah, me said. too. You guys, that's, we, we are visual learners. I, because do you start, you start just thinking my own thoughts <laughs> when I'm like, you know, like just how I tune out my entire family. I tune out a podcast. I'm like, so, just thinking my own shit. Sometimes while we're doing this, I tune out. <laughs> <You know. laughs> you guys see it. You see me fade out. Listen, um, but I do also think that we are visual learners. Like yeah. um, if somebody comes up to me, if I'm like, not getting a line exactly right on this show and the script supervisor comes up to me and is like busy it's actually and says it to me I'm like Mary like I love you I need to see it like you have to show it to me I can't I can't have it it won't stick in my brain unless I see it yeah um okay did you guys have we didn't talk about what we're doing our best at this week yes but um Casey what are you doing your best at this week um, I'm trying to invent a new type of headband. Oh boy. Oh boy. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Take me there. I just have like a really sensitive head. Yeah. Um, and it hurts behind your ears. Yeah. It hurts behind my ears. Like I, like I'm so sensitive and I also have been having a hard time with my pillow lately where that, you know, I don't toss and turn all night. I kind of stay in one position. The only reason I ever reposition is because my pillow is like hurting my head, which is weird, but that's how sensitive my head is that like a pillow hurts it. And so, and I've also had the, I've had that thing where, um, like, you know, do you remember like in the nineties, like it was kind of cool to wear like vintage clip on earrings. Yeah. I'd had a, but yeah, I had a bunch. You're right. One time I thought that I was having a literal aneurysm. I thought that I was about <laughs> to die and I don't know why, but I just like took off a clip on earring and I was like instantly cured. So that is how sensitive my head re- is. But that I remember the pain of a clip on earring. Shantira, <laughs> Was unfortunately I'm not, I'm seven not a, years old. I'm not but. a clip on my granny. My granny uh, never had her ears pierced. My granny who passed, and um, Aww. and she always had clip on earrings. She would let me try them on, and they were too heavy. I have small ears. Yeah, of course, of <laughs> course. So anyway, I'm like have a really, and also I think like I must have been left laying on my back so much as a baby. The back of my head is flat, so like the you type have a of, flat head. Yeah, the back of my and I have yeah. a flat face too. Um, the back of my head. <laughs> It's so flat that like I can't wear the kind of stretchy headband. But the stretchy like, ones don't work for anyone. Yeah. I, if I, I was a, ever to get plastic surgery, I would just get like a silicone implant on the back of my head to okay. hold headbands. Well, first of all, first of all, honestly, I swear to God, I bet you could just get filler put into the back of <laughs> your head. That's a lot of filler. <laughs> I don't know if it would 
that much. I don't know. It's just a line of filler just at the like base of your skull. I feel like you'd need like a whole breast implant back there. To I don't hold know. I don't think, I think you're, I think you're overestimating. I don't think you do. I, I bet think you, you just need like answer. a line to there's make a There's an answer to this and somebody's going to send it to us. <laughs> Well, either that or I'll make some calls to some to your maybe your surgeons, Shantira, will tell me if they would put a breast implant on the back of my head. I mean, I don't, I'm going to go I back mean, in a couple of weeks. I'm sure I'm sure he could just <laughs> just do some light investigating. But anyway, in the meantime, like that's my goal for 2021 is to invent a pain free headband that works that stays on my weird flat head because what I've learned and especially from this podcast is anything that is going on with me I'm not alone in this world there's somebody else out there with a sensitive flat head who Mm -hmm. needs a headband who just wants to have a cute headband and so like I'm doing it for me and I'm doing it for that person whoever they are I have to say I agree with you headbands are sometimes the most pain I've ever been in. Um, there's nothing like your hair hurting. Mm. Ugh, the worst. But um, Lisa, Lily Sadogi, who makes the headbands and is my New York friend and our kids have, are in school together now, um, makes headbands that some of them do not cause me pain and then some of them do and I'm trying to figure it out just like you. What's the difference? What's yeah. the difference? I don't know if it's down to like the manufacturing of like did you guys ever know that um when they mass produce clothing a lot of times they pile all the fabric up. So let's say they're doing jeans so they pile all the fabric up. Yes. And the ones cut, on top are bigger. The ones on top are smaller. The ones on top are oh and they it spreads out as it they, spreads out. So yeah. they cut down like so a size six if you get the size six from the top, that's like a true size six. But if you like try on the size six that was cut from the bottom of the pile, it might actually be like closer to an eight because the fabric like cuts out kind of. Does that oh, make sense to you, yeah. the way I'm explaining it? Yeah. yeah. So um, I, I, that was something that I knew. So I wonder if there's like something in the headband industry wherein, I mean, honestly, Casey, we just need larger headbands. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Or like something. I just want something that is like, yeah, that fits, that doesn't make me feel like um, my head is being crushed in a vice Uh and like I am immediately going to black out and fall down on the ground and um, that stays on because I just want to wear a headband and look cute. This seems reasonable. Shantira, what are you doing your best at this week in the new Um, year? I'm doing my best at... uh, like not like a diet, but like eating healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to like start work again this week. So like for all of the last year, I just kind of did whatever I wanted and ate whatever I wanted. And then like, you ever just like eat something and you're like, I'm sick, but like you still do it. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> so 100%. Like, I would just be like, Ooh, this is going to make me sick, but I have to eat it. But like now I'm like, I don't, feel like being sick so i ordered like a real a lot of like really good um this place called like dave's korean um gourmet oh korean. i love dave's like Co- korean Go- gourmet uh and gourmet. We, uh, yeah, yeah so we ordered so like miso paste and oh, like a so bunch good. of um 
like uh like rice noodles mm-hmm. and like that tempeh. kimchi mm. kimchi kim- kimchi i i added I, I added it i combined it to tempeh with what you said i want to name like, someone kimchi so like kimchi and then like pickled radish and daikon and we like ordered a bunch of it and have been like eating miso like every other day Mm. so like just like spending a little bit of time like not doing like a dry january but just doing like a oh like i've been eating like a bunch of stuff that my body does not want yeah and i'm just like oh okay well like i'm gonna have like a really good like miso soup that's homemade for like we'll see how long this lasts but that's what i'm doing right now it's just like trying to like reinvest in like nourishing my body with not cheetos mm. all the time yeah so, yeah that's where i'm at it makes a <laughs> difference my, it does Link, my my son your son lincoln will be uh-huh. really proud of you because i think he's like on that similar journey like the pandemic yeah. has been a little bit of a free-for-all mm-hmm. and he <laughs> the other day he was like I think requested again, like something kind of on the clean side for dinner and said that he had been eating like a Ninja turtle. Yes. I truly, well, I think too, after this surgery, like, cause like my knee used to hurt all the time. Like no matter what, like I would work out for like 20 days straight, do yoga, do stretching, do lifting and like do everything right. But then like, I wasn't getting the results that I felt not weight loss, just like I should feel better and I'm not. So like I kind of like punished myself in that way. But I was like, well, if I can do 25 days of yoga and working out and my knee still hurts, well, I'm going to eat macaroni because it doesn't make a difference. But now that it does make a difference, I'm like, okay, buddy, you've kept up your end of the bargain. So I will be nice to you and I will not eat this weird box of macaroni today. I mean, it also sounds like what you're making is really delicious. Yeah, and like it's worth so spending. good. Yeah, so. And it's, listen, I'm all for doing all the, all the things. Honestly, mm-hmm. all the things. That's yeah. always been like the joke about me is that I'll try 4,000 things at the same time. Then I'll be yeah. like, I don't know what worked, but I feel better. Yeah. Like, <laughs> is it the is it the Ayurvedic thing? Is it the no sugar? Is it no wheat? Is it that I stopped drinking? Is it that I'm exercising? Who knows? But it's there. But, um, but I do think that like what I've found in the last, like I would say in the last maybe year and a half to... Two years. What's time? We don't know. Two years. Two and a half years. <laughs> two and a half years. Is that for me, like weighing myself, dieting, like sticking to like regimented eating does not benefit my brain or my body because I end up binging on like yeah. sugar and sweets and like things that I feel like I'm depriving myself of. So if I just am like, Oh, we ordered pizza last night. Casey, I saw your post and I was like, I literally just (laughs) ate pizza. Um, I just had pizza. It was so good. But like if I, if I just, it's just for me like moderate, like really, truly, I finally fucking understood what moderation is. That being said, I've eaten so many fucking cookies this past month. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a little bit with you on the like, I need to slow down on the cookies. I think we were all just waiting. Truly, I ate whatever whatever I want anyway. But like now that we have a new president, I'm like, Mm -hmm. I feel better. 
I don't know if that makes yeah. sense, but like November 2nd, I was like, give me a pizza, sprinkle some Oreos on it, dip it in yep. uh, fudge. And I'm like now, and now I like, I have like a new lease on life and I don't know if that feels weird, but like, I'm just like, man, in 20 days, we're going to start something new and maybe I should go jog right yeah. before we go on this new journey. <laughs> You're, we all have holes and like your <laughs> holes are like a little less shallow now. Yeah. You don't have to... <laughs> Fill them with Oreo sprinkled pizza, maybe. I know. Yeah, but maybe I, this Saturday. <laughs> I feel I feel like a sleeve of Tate's is like not in my in my post Biden world. Do you yes. know what I mean? Like, I think that's what it is for me. Yeah. Yeah, I eat so many thin chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> Those are hard to stop. Those are hard to stop because they're so light and like it's fun to crunch things. And then they like come in like kind of a moderate size bag. It's not like a (laughs) giant bag. So you're like, next thing you know, the whole bag is gone. But that makes me feel better to know that you eat entire bags of those cookies as well. Oh, my God. And also, you know who the worst culprit is at this point? One cricket silver. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Cricket will be like, she's like the little mouse in the pantry. And I'm like, what is happening? And then I'm like, guys, there is one Tate cookie left. (laughs) And then Mark was like, we have to stop buying them. And I was like, well, we can't do that. But like, she really should slow down on the Tates. Like, it's too many Tates. Like, it's She's just, so small. She's like the size of a box of Tates. That's what I mean. Like, it's like, also, also, like, it's not moderation for Cricks because she doesn't eat anything healthy. Well, that's not true. <laughs> I mean, she eats broccoli she, and all kinds. She eats all kinds of stuff. She's like I don't, a little bit of a but, fussy eater. But, you know, you know, I have, you know, obviously, like, we don't talk about, I don't, we don't ever, like... There's no good food and bad food. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So food is food. But I'm like, I think there are things that might nourish you more. (laughs) But also (laughs) like, I I mean, to be honest, I would not be surprised if in one year they came out with a study being like, you know what? There's a subset of people who um, perform optimally on one bag of Tate's per day and they actually shouldn't eat vegetables. It's horrible for them. Well, that's me. That's me. Definitely am probably cricket. Um, okay. What are sweet. you doing your best at? A, a couple of things. Number one, I feel like I have done a, my best at really listening to my kids' needs and what they're asking for and how I can give that even if there's a part of me that as my own person and like eek but uh, I don't want to subject my kid to this I don't want to do this because uh. I think that that's a piece that like I d- didn't really talk about you know mm-hmm. but that piece exists and especially when I see the nasty fucking weird ass shit I'm like I want to protect this kid right but then I had a conversation with another friend of mine who's very much older and gay and her take was right but that was the whole thing that's why it was so hard to come out because you didn't want to you didn't want your parents like always be worried about you and your and how the world would receive you and blah 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 and and I was like oh that put it in perspective so I've like just been like going to people in I don't know and like asking for help and advice and 
and I feel like I'm having more perspectives on things. Here's what I want to say, though. Gina Linetti tried to commit suicide in the country, and it was really traumatic. She, we took her, <laughs> Casey's <Did> face. <laughs> okay, can I just, wait, can I just say one thing? Okay, when I hear something fucked up, I laugh. That's what happens. <laughs> okay, I so definitely want you to at my funeral, Shantira, especially if I die in a fucked up hear- way. When I hear something really bad, my gut reaction is to go, oh, no. Okay, so here's what happens. So this is what I really want to talk about. I don't care. I don't know. I'm doing my best at just being Birdie's mom, I guess. You could cut out all the other stuff. Let's just go with, I'm doing my best at being a mom to my kids and really listening to what their needs are. Um, Which, guys, whatever at different times in my life has been easier and or slash more difficult. And if you're a parent, you fucking get it. And if you're a kid, I hope you get it. Someone's kid, I hope you get it. Because it's hard to be a person. Okay. So here's what I really want to talk about. We <laughs> we went to visit my BFF, uh, Michelle, and her husband. And for like New Year's, they've been quarantined in their place that's outside of the city and they were like, they've been, you know, they were like tested and they've been quarantined for a period of time up there by themselves. No one coming or going except for weirdly the day we showed up in which an animal probably died under their house and they had to have like a oh God. person come to try to find it. Um, anyway, you know, ha- you has anyone, you guys have had an animal die under your house, right? No, I've I've had had animals I under, die like, in my house yeah. under but like Everywhere. animals will go under houses yes. to die and then I your know. house smells weird. Yeah. Yeah. It's so we had one in LA once we had a possum that died under our house and it was like so disgusting. Um yeah. anyway. God. Busy. So, my possums only live three years. I just want to point that out. My husband is obsessed with possums. All he does is talk about possum facts all day. <laughs> and the fact that you're saying a possum died under your house, you just sentenced me to like another week of talking about possums. <laughs> um well the craziest thing was, you know, obviously our no longer house in LA. And this was years ago. And the smell is like unmistakable. Like it is like a dead animal in yes. the, in your house is like, blah, like you're just, you know it. So we call the exterminator people to come out to try to help us. And then the guy was like, oh, we have to call Tony. And we're like, what? Who's Tony? <laughs> they like could not find the animal. The like, undertaker. We have to call Tony. No, we have to call Tony. And I was like, oh my God, who's Tony? And they're like, the littlest one. Oh. And, then, and like this guy showed up who was like, he was small-ish, but like more than that, he just like clearly had no feelings of claustrophobia or fear of it. Yeah. And he like shimmied himself into the tiniest crawl spaces. And that was what was so annoying about this possum was that it like chose the farthest, smallest place <laughs> to die yeah, anyway. To die. That makes sense. It thought it was um, helping you. Yeah. It didn't want to be a burden, but possums no, don't know. It was... They- yeah. It was not great. Anyway, yeah. so so we go, so we had all been tested and we also hadn't been seeing anybody either. But like, so um, so we went up there and we had like a really, really lovely time. And Michelle um, has a dog that is like an older, I think it's like a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. 
And, you know, I mean, the dog's like 12. She's seen some shit. She's like over it. She's fine. Mm -hmm. She's whatever. And here we come in with Gina Linetti, the pupper, who turns one on January 11th, guys. Oh, wow. So soon her birthday. And I was like, we had this whole talk about if we were going to bring Gina or if we were going to like leave her, board her at her favorite like dog place here in the city. And I was like, we got to bring the dog upstate. Gina was meant to be upstate. She's going to love it so much. And Mark was like very stressed about Gina upstate. Mm -hmm. Like he was like afraid that she was going to just run and then like never never come back. back. Right. That's a valid fear. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know. I feel like we'll just like, let's play it by ear. And she has to come with us. Like I can't have New Year's without my love, Gina. So um, anyway, the first day she was like following us and like a little nervous about the new environment, but like was super excited by the space, you know, and was like running around, running around. And, um, and I was like, very stressed, like getting her, you know, and then, and then Michelle and I had a talk and she's like, you know, Biz, like I've been watching the dog. She's really attached to you guys. Like she's not gonna run away. Like she's just, she's obviously loves you guys in a way that like, she's like, she always is like looking back to make sure you're there, you know? And I was like, that is true. I have noticed that too. I think you're right. I think maybe we can like let her go, like let her off leash, let her roam. And she's like, that's what the dogs do up here. You just have to like let them go. And I was like, okay, sure. (laughs) I get it. So, So the next morning I wake up and I'm like up early first. I'm kind of tired and I'm like, I'll just stand outside and watch her go. So then she goes and then she like does start heading toward this like foresty, brambly area. And I'm like, fuck, I'm like, Gina, come back. And she's not coming. She's on the path of something. She smells something. And um, Tommy said that he saw me from the upstairs window and he was like, you, if I had written it for a film, like I couldn't have, na- like you nailed it. The indie movie. I'm wearing like my big puffer coat and I'm holding my coffee and like I'm tromping through these things and like trying to get the dog and like, I'm like, is anyone, can anyone help me? You know, like and get her out of these brambles. Anyway, so that was fine. I was like, oh, this isn't great though. But then I said to Mark, I was like, I do think as long as like we keep her over in this area, she'll be fine. Right. Okay, fine. So Michelle and I were in the kitchen and I am, I don't even know where to go with this. Mark was like, okay, let her go. And then he looked, I didn't see it. Thank God. And she was standing in the middle of the frozen, but not quite frozen pond. No, no. We're like one misstep and it would have been. Like, it's a wonderful life. Well, she didn't do it on purpose. She just was out there. She thought that it was, it was solid. Fucking dog. She's a Why would bitch. she do it? Why not? She's, she's exploring. Okay, she's a baby. She's, I know. She's a baby. So anyway, thankfully, his calm tone got her back across the ice. She did not fall in. And glad, I'm glad he didn't, like, step out onto the ice. Because yeah. then later... Birdie went down there and was like at the little edge of it and just like, like it was, oh God, harrowing. 
So then, wait, but so then there were chickens and Gina and again, Michelle. Okay, so maybe Michelle, I was like, okay. Why does Michelle hate Gina? Well, no. Here's what I here's what I realized. I realized that she has a 12-year-old dog. Yes, yeah. But I wasn't taking that into consideration. And so we were talking and the chickens were out of the coop. And I was like, I can't let Gina out. And she's like, you know what? Lucky like kind of tried to go after the chickens once. And then the well, Lucky's old. Got, well, we did Shantira, now we know that. Now we're like, now we're all on the same page. What, I just want to point something out, though, Busy. Mm-hmm. You have the knowledge. You know that Gina has tried to eat <laughs> recently <laughs> alive birds. We didn't know that. Well, now I'm rethinking. This is the point is that I'm rethinking the whole wing debacle. Because, <laughs> you guys, when I tell you she, she was so close to murdering a chicken in front of us as we were all screaming. <laughs> and... <laughs> and Mark pulled up at that very instant. I had my arms were full of like, I had stripped the beds and I was like, whatever. It doesn't even fucking matter. But my arms were full and it was muddy. So I didn't want to drop like laundry in the mud. And I mean, and Mark pulled up right at that moment. And Gina is chasing this chicken at has somehow knew to separate one chicken away from the roosters and the other chickens and is chasing this chicken and is like feathers. She's like snapping and getting feathers. Feathers are being plucked out and I'm screaming. And then what comes out, he's like out of the car because he had like gone to whatever. It doesn't matter. He's back. And I'm like, get the fucking dog. And he's like, what's happening? I'm like, she's about to murder chicken and then they like round the house again for like round three the chicken's about to give up she lunges and takes like not a joke a a huge bite as mark like grabs her collar feathers fly everywhere the chicken is safe we checked on the chicken not injured just lost some feathers just traumatized traumatized (laughs) truly traumatized because also can you imagine that chicken's like that other dog, this is not that other dog. <laughs> that other dog is so chill. She like comes over and sniffs our like chicken feed and sometimes eats our poop and then like walks away. <laughs> Gina truly tried to like murder that chicken. If she had, if Mark hadn't pulled up, if she, I would have watched her shake and wring the neck of a chicken in front of me and kill it. And now I'm rethinking that maybe she did in fact kill the bird. <laughs> Honestly? <laughs> because... Instinct, yeah. instinct. Yeah. Well, can, what? That's what I saw. I saw the instinct kick in, yes. and once, once the bird gave chase, and like Gina was hot on on the chicken's tail. Oh my god! She, she was like, she was like eyes glazed over like a shark, and she was going for that fucking chicken. But that's not the end of Gina Upstate. I oh wish god. it were. There's one last thing. We're packing everything up. We're getting ready to go. And then I just hear Mark screaming and I'm in the house and he brings in Gina and she has somehow gotten her entire like left side of her face, left side of her entire body with some sort of like bramble thing oh, no. that was like, but not just like those ones that are like have all the little spikes on them that are get stuck in the hair. They had those, but yeah. they also had goo. No. Like Ew. some sort of goo. Ew. attached to them and then also had uh 
like stick branches as a part of them that were also sticky and they're trying to grow more trees i'm not even mad (laughs) (laughs) so i spent then a literal hour and a half with gina in the bathroom with a scissors and my own hairbrush and then gave her a bath and she has a pretty unfortunate haircut now. Like she just has like <laughs> chunks of fur that I had to cut out because there was no way to get the, I started like trying to pick them out, but especially like around her face, I was so worried they were going to go into her eyes and ears. So I just was like, well, we're just cutting your little eyebrows and that's just the way that we're going to have to do this. Poor Gina. Um, She's really starting we, the new year right. Just she was. And then like, look. <laughs> and then we left as we were leaving. Mark was like, never again. I was like, well, <laughs> I mean, she's got to learn. It's very stressful. I'm, I, I might be with Mark on this one. I it would have been so much more pleasant without her. <laughs> she was like, well, now also, you know, now you know. She also just like wouldn't stop fucking barking. And she's not a barker. Like she just was like barking at everything. And yeah, well, oh, maybe because she's a, a city dog. in the house. It was a night. I like, you know, like she was just like, she was just on one. She's a Gina city dog. One. She's a city dog. Maybe yeah. she is. I mean, who knows? Like dogs are like computers kind of like, you know how when you're blaming a computer, but you find out, like come to find out it's actually your fault because it's just zeros and ones and you're not doing the right thing. That's how I feel about dogs. Like they're just going to do what they're going to do. Like, a dog computer and you can only control your reaction to it. And I, f- I feel well, for you guys stressful. I mean, other than that, it was like really nice. So nice. Like the <laughs> best, No, it was, it was like beyond nice. It was like yeah. the nicest, nicest. And I, t- Michelle and I took a walk with Gina, a two mile walk. Cause I thought, well, this will wear her out. The chicken happened after. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking Gina. Anyway, we took a two-mile walk on New Year's Day, Day. I think. Was that New New Year's Day that I found the two pennies, like, in the... I think so, yes. That was crazy. And even Michelle was like, well, you're just a straight-up witch. I don't know what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) I found two pennies. That means... Separately, like, like miles apart. This year's going to be twice as good as last year. <laughs> oh, <crossed>. man. <laughs> I mean, you guys, it's going to be better. Everything's already better. The coup still not happening. We're good. Golden. Let's do it. <laughs> what about all these fuckers that are like going to vote that the election wasn't fair or whatever? And who cares? I don't care. I'm not going to talk about it. No. I hate them. Yeah. Same. That's yeah. it. And it's okay to hate them. Never forget. <laughs> <laughs> So what we've learned is that some dogs belong in the city. I think she'll be good when she's older. Maybe. Upstate. Maybe. I, <laughs> I have to say my dogs turned nine. My, my, my Millie and my birdie turned nine. We got them on New Year's Day nine years ago. And we are still saying when they're not puppies anymore, they'll be calmer. And you, you <laughs> know, are wild. Your dogs are wild. <laughs> for a fact that not only would they murder a chicken, they would also murder a cricket because you they would murder a child. Yes. To they my were... house one time and they lost their <laughs> fucking minds. They wanted to kill her. 
They really did. Those dogs were out for cricket blood. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Which is terrible. But I mean, like, and I'm sure like they would have murdered her with love, but also would have like teamed up to take her down. She was so small. That's the problem, man. You can't. She was too small. <laughs> and that's cricket. just what I'm saying. They're like just on instinct. They don't know crickets great. They don't know crickets the best. They're just like, see, like another creature. They think they can team up to take her down. And that's what they wanted to do. <laughs> no. I feel bad for that chicken. I want to pay for its therapy. <laughs> it's um, not the worst thing that's ever happened to a chicken. I mean, and yeah, and I don't even know, but you know, what's what the future holds for that chicken. Exactly. You know? We don't know. Uh, did you guys do anything for New Year's? Um, I ate a, I ate some edibles and went to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I went to sleep by like 1030. I did a deep clean. I do. I know there's like a bunch of like memes about black people cleaning their houses. But like <laughs> I did. I did like a really deep. My house isn't dirty, though. So it was like I vac. I mop. Yeah. What's a I deep clean when your house is already spotless? Yeah, My house is already very clean. So I know there's also tradition for like black eyed peas and collard greens. But like I don't eat enough of collard greens and black eyed peas to make them. And I didn't feel like it. So like I told my ancestors to be chill. Yeah, that's cool. That's good. That seems good. That's good. We ate really good food. Uh, Michelle is like an amazing cook. And so is Mark. And so Tommy would ask me what podcasts I wasn't listening to. And, <laughs> and, I, would, and I would make spritzes. And then Mark and Michelle cooked all the food for that's us, awesome. which was nice. Yeah. That sounds nice. Um, it was really, really nice. And it was, it was also... Which I was like, this is so crazy. Like, it's like almost normal. Like, it almost could be, this could be normal. And I was like, I know. This must be what the Kardashians felt like when they flew. <laughs> to the island? <laughs> 80 of their closest friends and family to the island. Oh, Lord. Oh, my God. And then I was thinking about you guys. Wait, did you get that text from me when Chrissy Teigen tweeted that she was just thinking about the time when John Legend thought he won an Oscar for Best Picture? Yeah, oh, but yeah. wait, because he, he produced La La Land? I guess it just made me laugh so hard that he, like, replied with sad face emojis. And then, of course, it made me think of you and Michelle because you were there in that big moment. I have that photo. I have that wait, picture. Wait, did he produce La La Land? That's, I mean, I, I'm trying to be a producer credit because that's how he, he got a, um, I was like, how did he get a Tony? And it was produced for producing Jitney. And I was like, I need to be talented enough to know what to produce so I can EGOT because I don't have the talent to get a Grammy unless I like write a book. I'm like, damn, if I could just get my name on a producer credit, that's the thing I've been thinking about. <laughs> that's a great goal. I mean, I did I write know. a book and I thought my audio book was really good and I did not get nominated for a Grammy. But then also, I, oh my about God. It. I think this, wait, who... who but you can't feel too bad about that because like the last two people to win were like Michelle Obama. That would have been my year. Yeah. Yeah. But it was also, Michelle Obama was your year. Right. So I like, know. Listen, <laughs> obviously Shelly's going to win. Yeah. But does anyone call her Shelly? Has anyone ever it. called? I don't okay. think so. I like it. <laughs> I noticed that um, Sasha is going by Natasha now. She signed the oh. holiday card, Natasha. That's wait. Sasha is Sasha. Sasha must be short. For, for Natasha. Natasha. Yeah. I didn't know right. that. 
I didn't know that either. Well, a lot of people don't know. And so when they sent, they like posted their holiday card to social media this year, people were like, who's Natasha? And of course my kids were like, that's Sasha. That's her (laughs) full name. Because oh, well, I did not know that. I read the book and I don't even think that was in the book. I don't know. Uh, it probably was. I just looked it up. I don't think John Legend did produce La La Land. So he, shouldn't, he shouldn't feel bad about so, thinking that but, they won. An, I guess maybe he was like there in the celebration. Was he sitting near you? Oh, wait. He's 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 in La La Land. Yes. He's in so La La, like La Land. Part of you get the to cast. Go, you get to you go, get to on, go stage. Uh, you get yeah. on stage. That's what, because okay. I was like right, right, trying right. to remember, but then I remembered like, because I've only seen it once, but I was like, oh, he's in it. So that makes sense. He, anyway. I've only seen it once yeah. myself. I got us on a, on a tangent, but it just like, again, we're talking about how everything feels so connected. You were with Michelle at the time that Chrissy Teigen tweeted laughing about her husband not winning an Oscar. <laughs> and it made me think of you guys in that moment being there and with Witnessing that whole thing together of when all these people thought they won Oscars and and it, who was I sitting next to other than Michelle Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. <laughs> <laughs> we're not going to be able to circle. We're not going to be able. We're not going to be able to wrap it up better than that. And that and that's it, you guys. Please subscribe. <laughs> Please download. <laughs> Click to, to our podcast. I don't yeah. know merch available. <laughs> I can't sell those Ben Affleck shirts, but boy, would I have made a fucking mint if I had done it. But you guys have them. So that's all that matters. Yes. It's so funny to me. I died. (laughs) And you guys are starting to get merch. I'm starting to see photos of you guys in merch. Oh, yeah. Please tag us. cute. Yeah. Tag us and we will put you in our stories. I mean, I'm speaking (laughs) for myself and I don't know why I used Royal Wee, but... (laughs) It's four o'clock. It's about time for me to think about dinner. Um, and, <laughs> and think about the fact that I have to wake up at five tomorrow morning and work. Uh, I love you guys. We love, love you. you. And um, guys, I don't, we don't know what's going to happen between today and Tuesday. We should have ended at Ben Affleck. We could yeah. cut it. <laughs> All right. Ben Let's Affleck. Ben, ben Affleck. You guys, we love you. Stay Safe. Safe. Safe and calm and don't run onto a frozen pond that might be melting. <laughs> um, okay, guys. Till next week. Bye. 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 Oh, no.